Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's get nasty on a Wednesday afternoon. Jamie Rivers, Andrew Marsh, and the... Kerry Davis for his first, I shouldn't say it's his first go-around here in the fast lane. It's not quite official yet. We'll have an official show when we get our guy Anthony yes, Stalter looking forward to that. back here. Stalter's taking some time off. Well-deserved. Got the young family. Got kids everywhere. Holiday season. Take that time off when you need it. Kerry will be joining us full-time starting in the new year, but uh, it's good to have you here, buddy. How you doing? I'm glad to be here. I... I Clearly, it's it's so new to me. I've been walking around telling people good morning. I don't yeah. know what the day they is. They thought you were into Grandpa's cough syrup a little bit. I don't know bit. what time it is. I forgot to put my headphones on. Like, it, it, I'm, just, I'm just here, man. I'm happy to be here. How was the holiday? It was good. I had a great time. Kids had a great time. You know, that's the, the most important thing is the kids enjoying themselves, getting enough gifts. Having uh, having all of the gifts that they their hearts desire and them having fun, and then you you have fun watching them go through all of that. So I, I, it was good for me. They they had an outstanding time, and so did I. So now, Carrie, I know it's going to be an adjustment for you. I know that you love getting up at you know five thirty in the morning. There's nothing and, I love more, right? Than that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there is going to be an adjustment, and we'll talk about that yeah. a little bit more. But you know, you you've been coaching high school football mm-hmm. for a long time now yeah. and now you're you're moving on from that at least for the time being yeah, yeah. that's going to be tough it is it, it, it's a it's a transition and you know it was really hard telling my kids that I was not going to be back next year because I I truly love them like they are my own children uh would do a lot do pretty much anything for them so not being there with them is is a tough task for me but I understand and they understand that you know other things come up in life and you have to make transitions and this is a transition for me it's going to be a transition for them as well but I will always be available for them to call text email whatever the case may be to reach out to me because those are those are my guys so it's funny how that works because there's still kids that I see um on a regular basis that I coached way back when. Yep. The, the funny part for me was I went down to visit my daughter at Mizzou before she graduated and it was like the last night I was going to be there. So we, we go out to the Harpost yeah. thing and yeah. having some fun with my daughter, her yeah. friends, her boyfriend. Yeah. And then I'm seeing a bunch of kids coming, hey, Coach Rivers! <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, I coached these guys. That's awesome. And yeah. then, you know, they're still talking and now yep. there's a number of them that work for me now with Synergy Hockey. Right. But I'm seeing, I watch them, you know, develop as young hockey players and now they're men. Yeah. They're, in college or in the business world yeah. and doing all this stuff, but they always still get coach. Yeah, hey, that's coach. The, that's the one of the, I mean, next to dad, the coach, being called yeah. coach is one of the best names you can have because, you know, you had an impact on a young person's life. So uh, I definitely love that that they still call and that they, they will always be reaching out to me years from now. That's awesome, man. Yeah. And look, if we're sticking with the coach theme, the Blues with a new coach, 
They're four and one under Drew Bannister. Pretty good. Not bad. Yeah. Um, you know, a couple of things that I think jump off the page for me is the full 60-minute efforts. And it's not like and I've had to put this disclaimer out there so many times. This is not a Craig Berube versus Drew Bannister right. conversation. This is a St. Louis Blues team that were not responding, and now it looks a little different five games in. Well, when people start losing their jobs, that tends to happen. I mean, you, you've been a professional. I tell people this all the time. It's hard to fire multiple players or multiple people. And unfortunately for Craig Berube, he he ended, ended up being the one that lost his job. But it is a message to everyone in there like, oh, if you don't get your bleep together, mm-hmm. it's going to be – it's nice knowing you. It's been good while you're here, but we're going to move in a different direction. And as a professional athlete, it's unfortunate that it took that jump start, but it it has been a jump start for this team. And you're seeing them playing at a much better, much higher level. And I think just the, the amount of energy and effort that they're showing for a full 60 minutes instead of 20 here or 20 – I mean, you're watching it every single night, so you know better than most – it's just the effort, I think, is, is a is a good thing to see right now. Yeah, and I think it's something Craig Berube would be proud of. Yeah. You know, like, that's the thing. is Chief's not sitting at home right now with a voodoo doll trying to make the St. Louis Blues <laughs> not win hockey games. But, you know, but sometimes people get that vision, right? Oh, he must be, like, anti-Blues. He's not. Is he pissed off because he wasn't able to fulfill his contractual yeah. duty? Yeah, yeah, of course he is. He's a competitive right, dude. Right, But he wants to see this team play well, and they've been, they've been very – consistent. You know, the Tampa Bay game was a tough one, but if that's the only bleep on the radar so far, I mean, you're doing pretty good. And you look at the game the other night, Kerry, they had every reason to just pack up the tent and just be like, okay, you know what? Holiday time. I got friends in town. I got family. (laughs) I got the bourbon. I've got the beer on ice. Screw it. You know, we're, we're just going to go out. But they didn't. A couple of days before Christmas, let's just get out of here. Yeah. We're down three goals. No, it's the third not period. Hurt. Hey, you know what? <laughs> we got family. Like you said, family's here. Let's go do that. And and I was asking you earlier, that's the best game of the season. Oh, by far. Hands down. Because to be down three goals in the third period, to claw your way back, to, to just get within a goal, score that goal, and then put two more on there, that's – that to me is probably, like you said, Craig Berube is probably sitting at home clapping his hands like that's that's what I wanted from this team and that's what I expected from these guys. The, games like that are difference makers. Yeah, like you know this, being down a touchdown or two touchdowns in fourth quarter, yep. you, you know, and you rally back to win that game, no matter who the opponent is. And, and you know, people can make the argument, well, it's the Blackhawks; they're not all that great. Fine, they were still up five to two. Right, they were still up three goals on you, and they're a rival team. Yeah. So it counts. There's a little more gravy on it. Matters. It, when it Yeah, 100% it matters. <laughs> it matters. So you come back and you win that game. And I asked Drew Bannister this morning just down at the rink. I said, you know what? What kind of an impact can that have on your team now moving forward? Because they know now that the comeback is real. They can yeah. do it. They did it. Now, they're playing Dallas Stars tonight, mm-hmm. uh, which they just played them not too long ago. And they were down 2 nothing in that game. Came back and won that right. game. Now you go to the last game before the break. They're down by three goals. Come back and win that game. So yeah. now this is something that they've been able to do a couple of times where that wasn't present earlier in the right. season. So he just said it can have a massive impact on the group. It just shows them that you're never out of a game and to keep plugging away. You you know this. Confidence is something that when you have it, it's it's like the, the miracle thing in, in a locker room. But when you don't have it, when you don't have confidence or belief in what you're capable of doing, nothing seems to go right. And winning a game like that gives you a lot of confidence. It gives you the, the mindset. Sometimes you have to actually see it to believe it. They saw it. They were down three goals, and they were able to claw their way back in and win that game. 
now hopefully there's a belief there, hey, we can play in, in, in any style. We can come back, we can beat you from, from the beginning to end, or we can fight our way back into a game if need be. We've done it a couple of times in the last few games. Let's keep playing this way. It's, you, it's more fun to win. Really? It's I like, never knew that, Kerry. Like, wow. It's terrible. <laughs> tell, uh, listen, losing impacts your quality of life. It does. I, I coach we say it. to leave that at the field or no, leave that at the rink. It's, just, it's, it's not, not possible. They say losing is a disease. It, it is. is. Listen, It's I, a bad one, too. I was coaching a team some years back. And we won. We, we I was the offensive coordinator. I don't think we scored a touchdown like the last five weeks of the season. Oh. And I was I was physically ill. I went to the doctor to ask. <laughs> like, I'm sick. I've been sick for almost a month and a half. What's wrong? Ran tests. There's nothing wrong with you. Oh, I'm sick of losing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just sick from losing football games. It will ruin. It, it'll just it'll impact your life, man. And it's tough. So winning games definitely is a is a an elixir for for feeling better in life. Do you guys take more stock in the comeback or the fact that they did go, you know, they, they gave up five goals to the Blackhawks? Like, yes, they came back and, and won that game, and that's a good feeling. You can take that and move forward with it. But, you know, can you afford to do that against teams that are better than the Blackhawks. No, you can't. Obviously, you don't want to do it. It's not ideal. But right. if, if I'm the coaching staff, I'm not focused on that. Right. You're looking at the positives, yeah, and then you, you just move move forward from Building that. Building blocks as you keep climbing. Yeah. That's the way I look at it. Because you know, a month ago, you were done. That game would end up six two or seven two, <laughs> possibly. Sure. Yeah. And you didn't do that this time. Yeah. You didn't fold up like a cheap suit. You got back and you fought back. And your power play, which has been abysmal, pretty much. Well, yeah, all season long for that matter, <laughs> gets two goals for you. And it just goes to show you like just how important power play goals yeah. are. If they don't score again on the power play against the Blackhawks they in that game, win. they don't win. Yeah. It doesn't happen. Yeah. But two consecutive power play goals reels it into a one-goal game, and now all the momentum is on your side. This is why coaches are gray. This is why coaches are bald. And this is why some coaches drink an awful lot. Yes. It's because of Listen, little things You like said that. both of them. Look at me. Carrie, don't I had take a it personal. Of hair when I started. And, and my beard was black. I'm there right now. I got like 12 hairs left on my head, and they're all white. Okay? It's a me. stressful job. Yeah. No matter what level you're coaching them at, they it's a tough job. And to, to again, to come back and win that game now, I'm sure they watched film and said, hey, now we can't do this. We yeah. can't allow ourselves to get down like this because against better teams, it's going to be harder to come back in those games. But to get the win is more than more than good enough for, especially before the holidays. That, that had to feel great. It was a must. And I can tell you, being down at the rink this morning for a pregame skate, there was a good buzz. Good buzz on the ice. Guys are snapping the puck around. Yeah. Power play looked great in practice. I know this is crazy, but I've watched a lot of that power play practice this year without scoring on really? their own team. Really? When your own team really isn't trying to block <laughs> shots. They're not. They're not. They don't want to get hit. They don't, yeah, you know, they're competing, but they're not. Yeah. You know, you know, like when you're, you're running there, your offense no against the dummy yeah. defense, yeah. they're like competing, but they don't yeah. want to hurt any of the stars. It's not live. We, we're, we're thud. We're 100%. Our what we call it. But they scored a couple of goals this morning. Looked pretty good. Uh, spirits are high. Talking to the guys afterwards. Seemed like they're in a good headspace. Drew Bannister got to see his family. Uh, over the holidays, That's which it's been separated for a while, yeah. just by distance, mm-hmm. you know, obviously not separated. Right, you know. right, right. I mean, some of us, it's a little more real than others. <laughs> right, but man. however, you know, uh, he got to see his family. Great article in The Athletic. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Rutherford had a great article on Drew Bannister and his family. So, won't you click on that? Get to know your new head coach. 
as uh, he and the Blues take on the Stars tonight. And we'll get into that more. We'll talk about Joel Holfer, who's getting the start here for the Blues. We're going to talk some NFL. I got Kerry Davis in the house here, and I like to get the blood pressure up a little bit. <laughs> so when we come back here, we're going to do a little Are You Sold? That's Kerry Davis, Jamie Rivers, Andrew Marsh. It's 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. ESPN, Kerry Davis, Jamie Rivers, Andrew Marsh here today. Anthony Stalter out enjoying some good family time. Marshy, it's time for Are You Sold? What do you All got right, for us? gentlemen, are you sold that Russell Wilson has played his final snap with the Denver Broncos? <laughs> okay, hang on, this is, this is the one I wanted to get Kerry uh, his take on. Couple of things. One, yes, I'm sold. He's played his last snap, that's for sure. But two, how awful is this by the Broncos? That one, I don't think Russell Wilson's any good. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm not sitting here saying, man, that guy shouldn't lose his job. But he has to play two more games to reach a bonus, correct? Oh, or no. a guarantee? Yeah, yeah. And the team, the team with two games left... Is boning them on it. Yeah. Uh, well, that that how, happens. But how? Okay. So, what's the backlash? So, to that? It, it's part of the game, man. Like, it, it's unfortunate. I had a teammate who needed, I want to say, twelve more yards for like a hundred thousand dollars, and they pulled him out of the game. And what? I was like, bro, what? you can go get those carries. Go ahead. <laughs> Come on. The hell with that. I, no kidding. Yeah, it, so. It, we Those Joel, things do happen. Joel Quenville was here, um, and a number Dave, or, yeah, Dave Lewis when I was in Detroit. Like I played for coaches that made sure. Yeah, you have some to do. Like in De- in Detroit, I was there. I played fifty games that year. I needed to play fifty games to reach a bonus. Mm-hmm. And it's no secret I was a depth guy in Detroit. Like a locker room full of Hall of Famers. Right. Right. Well, everybody became healthy again mm-hmm. for like the last two games of the season, and I needed two games right. played. And Dave Lewis comes up to me and he's like, hey, man, I'm really sorry. We just got everybody healthy. You got to get everybody going before the playoffs right. start. And I was like, hey, man, I get it. Yeah. I mean, so Detroit Red Wings had a chance to win the Stanley Cup. Correct. Like, hey, I get it. He goes, no, nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no way. Yeah, he goes, no, nah, we're going to get you your bonus That's and all awesome. stuff. And then when here with the Blues, Mark Bergevin, who is still uh, you know, the burger great, man. The, the burger van. He's still a great <laughs> dude. I saw him not too long ago. Still just an awesome individual. I needed one game to reach a plateau for a bonus. And I was yeah. just a young kid. The game owed me nothing right. at that point. I can tell you that much. And Bergie walked in, said he to the training room, says, I can't go. Says, my groin is tweaked a little bit. I can't go. That's awesome. He could play. Yeah. And he came over and he's like, hey, kid, don't worry. You're going to get that that's bonus. That's awesome. That's, I never that, forgot that's that. That's great teammates, great coaches. So that's great. where I see, like, yeah. back to your point. Well, yeah, that happens. There, there's both sides of it. And, and are, am I sold on Russell Wilson not playing? Yes. I, I think if you go to this point, they, they've lost a few in a row. And they ha- he hasn't looked great. You know what I mean? All season long, even when they were on that five-game. No, no, no. <laughs> and then there was also, I don't know if you all saw this, the uh, blow-up that they had on the sideline where Sean Payton was screaming at Russell Wilson. This was a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago. It was really it was really telling. 
I don't know what I don't know what the hell Russell did because I yeah, I'm like, trying to find I didn't see anything that was so egregious that that would cause him maybe it was a delay of game that he got but you know it, it didn't feel like it was that was warranted uh, so yeah I, I think he's in in Denver Broncos and and unfortunately. You know, because he hasn't played great this season or last season, he may be relegated to the role of a backup if he's anywhere else. Oh, I don't think about that. He's not going to be. Look a at how many crappy teams are out there with terrible but here's quarterbacks. The thing. He can be a backup. It's been like 50, 55 quarterbacks that have started a game this year. So that's what I'm he'll saying. He'll still play, but he'd probably start the season yeah. as someone's backup. But why would he? At this point, he's thirty-six years old. He's made a boatload of money. He's won a Super you Bowl. You want to keep playing? He loves doing high knees, though, so that mm-hmm. might, you know, he loves doing that on the, on the airplane. <laughs> it's, it's a legacy and thing, And staying though. up 22 hours it's Legacy? Yeah. At this point, your legacy can plummet, too. Well, that's what I'm saying. I feel like I right now. Has. I know, but that, yeah. if you keep, it, the, the, it's like quicksand. Once your career starts to go downward and you're plummeting and you keep trying to hang on, your career just keeps getting worse. Well, look at Joe Flacco, though. Yeah, but Joe Flacco, the expectations were never there. Joe Flacco is not a name that I would say. Well, I mean, what I would be pointing at is that's the guy. Him. Well, he, he's I not the guy. I mean, Joe Flacco. Maybe Russell Wilson can try and raise his stock Maybe. up. I don't know. We saw the same thing last year with Derek Carr, though, in Vegas. Yeah, Derek Carr is, is another Well, that's another name. Terrible that, yeah. example. No, I know. But no, what I'm saying is... What I'm saying Keep is swinging, Marshy. the Ve- Las Vegas Raiders, they they sat him for the final yeah, couple yeah, of games yeah. and then he was they, on the outs. Yeah. So that's what I'm I'm but thinking the same thing happens I, I to think, Russ. I think after watching Derek Carr, I actually thought Derek Carr was going to have a much better, mm-hmm. much better success than, oh, than he has been, had in New Orleans. Been I thought he terrible. was better than, <laughs> than what he's been. I don't know that Russell will go somewhere and be the starting quarterback mm-hmm. from day one if they were to let him go or if they were. I don't he think they'll be able to find a trade. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. Don't, don't you think that's like part of a losing culture, though, if there are teams and like front office people and even the coach that they don't want those players to get those bonuses? Do you think yeah, that? I hate that, it. That, yeah. I, hate it. For I feel me, like it's that's terrible. a losing cul- culture. If you're wor- like, I know it's $37 million. So it's not a drop in a bucket. No. I get it. Okay. It's not the 25 grand I was promised. You know? <laughs> Too, okay? <laughs> it wasn't any of that stuff. But it is a culture thing, man. Yeah. It shows that the team, like, here's the way I look at it. If the team put it in the contract, if they okayed it, and they signed that contract knowing full well that that player could reach that achievement, right. then you honor it. You should. Because if, if you were right on the cusp of the playoffs, you wouldn't think about the $37 million. Correct. You'd be like, no, let's get that let's playoff get money. Yeah. Let's, like, and, you know what I'm saying? And if you got that much money on the line, or it, it, I mean, it could be $25,000. It could be $100,000. And you intentionally keep me from receiving my money. The discussion is not going to be polite when we. No. When we it's going, yeah. It might be a no, physical it, it's altercation. A BS move. Yeah, yeah. So. I, I understand why they did. They're not going anywhere. They have been struggling, you know, these last did four weeks. they move on from Sean Payton? No, no. Well, he's good. He'll okay. be okay. I'm just asking, yeah, he, Kerry. You know, can't get rid of all the players. You, you know? can't. I mean, we talked about you that can get already. Rid of, you can get rid of this one. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like they've already made that decision. Oh, man, have they ever. All right, guys. Are you sold on the cards ramping things back up after the holi- after the holiday break in terms of the offseason move? So, what would the what would you classify ramping it up? Because I feel like they've they've closed out the starter doors. Are they have they not. though? I hope not. I hope not too. Karen. I hope not. But only thing that could happen is a trade, right? Because mm-hmm. they're not going to open yeah. up the checkbook again at this point, and all of a sudden Very Montgomery is making one hundred and seventy-five to two hundred million. That mm-hmm. ain't happening. 
Um, could they open up the discussions again of a trade? Yeah, they could. They also have the bullpen that they want to address mm-hmm. a little bit too. So I I think the Cardinals would be active. I don't think John Mosaylock is going to sit at home, kick his feet up, and be like satisfied. I think he has a, a small amount of money left probably that he can spend or find money via trade by sending money out and bringing, bringing money in. But I can't imagine that Mo and the DeWitts are sitting there going, hey, that's great, we're fine now. I don't think so either. I think they still, as you said, have some some holes to fill, bullpen specifically. Uh, I like the lineup. I think, you know, second year with some of those guys um, being more comfortable. I talked about this all season long. With One of the things that frustrated me was that the, the changing of positions and where you were batting every single day. It's like coming to the ballpark and, oh, Russian roulette, where am I going to be yeah. at today? I don't know. I'm Cardinals batting eighth. Bingo. I was batting second yesterday. <laughs> How did you figure this out? I didn't pull names out of a hat. It works. So I thought that that was problematic for them last season. So hopefully there's some consistency there. And then you figure out maybe. I, I've been on the Dylan Cease train for a long time mm-hmm. hoping that they were to make a trade. Now obviously you're going to have to lose something. You got to give to you get. You got to give something up to mm-hmm. get something good. So um, will they be willing to do that? I, I think that they should, but will they? I don't know that they will. Yeah. Are you guys sold that the team that finally loses to the Detroit Pistons will oh. be the most embarrassing oh. loss of the season? Yeah. Okay, so it's, let's let's just NBA um, team. still one. But they're an NBA team. I lost track of how bad the Pistons. I did were. see a video of them in pregame shoot around, and none of them <laughs> made a basket for like thirty seconds. I thought that was a joke. <laughs> Not one ball. <laughs> I thought it was one of those, you know, those those tampered videos no, where. No. It was like that was real. Seconds. Yeah, not one ball went in. He's like, oh, oh okay, gosh. well that's not by accident. accident. No. <laughs> do you hey, do you remember the uh, the NBA Christmas commercial yes. where all of them are shooting yeah. and it makes the jingle bells? This is like the anti Christmas yeah. oh commercial. Gosh, it was the complete opposite. Okay, so here though, guys, honestly, can they still make the playoffs? No. <laughs> <laughs> They're two and twenty-eight right now with a twenty-seven game losing streak. Who the hell have they beaten this year? That's the question. Now, maybe that's who you look for to get the next win. Okay, so. The team you've already wow. beaten. Well, well it doesn't search, go back far enough for that. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> they won. They won. Oh, they haven't won a game since before Halloween. There it is. They beat Charlotte they, in, in Chicago. Chicago. So, when is Charlotte on the on the schedule again? <laughs> yeah, Chicago. Are, they got them earmarked. Charlotte, January 24th. There we go. There it is. There it is. <laughs> that's their Sounds next win. <laughs> I saw, How bad a, is Charlotte? I saw a graphic that the Arizona Diamondbacks have won a world won a World Series game more recently than the than the Detroit Pistons have won That's a basketball ridiculous. game. That's crazy. And, and when I, I talked to like this type of losing, when you go home, you you are not a good person. You can't be. I think, <laughs> see, I think the opposite. Physically ill. So I think the opposite. I think they're losing like this because those guys are okay with it. They're just like, whatever. Yeah, I'm getting paid. Oh, I would that's be, why. I 20, would be. Carry 27 in a row. That takes effort. I would be. I wouldn't lose. be. I wouldn't be a good teammate in this point. It takes effort yeah, to lose yeah, that many games yeah, in a row. Yeah, it does. It, it, I wouldn't be a good teammate at this point. No, I would be. I would be. A terrible person to be around. I'd in be that awful locker room. in practice, especially <laughs> if I see guys dogging it, <laughs> and then they go elbow in the cor- to the face. Uh-huh. Yeah, come get him, trainer. He needs help. Yeah, hi. I'd be burning guys' shoes in the <laughs> locker room. All right, last one here. Are you sold that Joel Hofer can replicate his performance that he had against Florida tonight against the Dallas Stars? You know what, Marshy? Let's hang on to that. Okay. Let's get into that on the flip side here. 
with Kerry Davis, Jamie Harris, Andrew Marsh. We're going to talk about Joel Holfer getting the start tonight and Jordan Bennington not getting the start, what that means for the Blues and what that means for Joel Holfer here on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills, so celebrate summer with a new Big Green Egg, Weber Gas, or Charcoal Grill and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Here on 101 ESPN, Kerry Davis, Jamie Rivers, Andrew Marsh. Uh, the Blues play tonight. They got the Dallas Stars. Big game. First game following the break. They had a few days off after a big victory. And the Blues, Kerry, coming back out of the break, starting Joel Hofer between the pipes. How do you feel about that? I don't mind it. Okay. I don't I- mind it. It's a little bit of a surprise. And so let's just speak openly here. I okay. Mean, you know. Nobody's listening anyways, no, right? Pay attention. Um, it's a little interesting because usually when you have a two or three day break like the Blues have had, you go back to your number one guy. Right. Um, but one thing the Blues have talked about openly in the offseason leading up to the season is making sure that Jordan Bennington is getting the required amount of rest this year. Because last year with Thomas Grice, he did not get that rest. Yeah. And... You could see that it was wearing on him, and it started to wear on his game. Mm-hmm. And Jordan Bennington, without Jordan Bennington, you probably don't have as many wins as you do, especially earlier on, early on this season. He was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And the last handful of starts, he's been three goals or, or more, which is not ideal. Is that fatigue, or is that just the teams or how the games kind of play weird, out? Right? Is it, it all of like, So you count one of the five goals in as a Michigan goal. He ain't stopping that. No, so, that's a hell of a goal. But too. it's a goal. It counts, yeah. right? And and some of the other ones that happen where there's a rebound, goes a guy with a wide open net. The right. goal counts. Right. But it doesn't matter. Like, right. It's on his record, on his resume, or mm-hmm. his stats. So I was a little surprised with that. But then when you go back and you look at Joel Hofer, you know, how he's played in, most recently in Florida, that game in Florida where he ends up giving up a goal, but... It hit a, the metal partition as he was going back to play. So he really didn't give up the yeah. goal, but it ended up being a goal. Right. So he, you know, he technically, technically didn't get a shutout. But when you look at it, he 
He played really well. The Panthers themselves yeah. didn't shoot the puck past <laughs> Joe right. Hofer. You got to stay in the net, Jamie. You do. Yeah. That Pavel Buchnevich said it the best. He said if he would have stayed in his net, he had a shutout. <laughs> <laughs> a man of very few words, but right to the point. There you go. So I'm not I'm not really surprised, and I would imagine it would go uh, Hofer, Bennington, Hofer. So you get Bennington lined up to play against the Colorado Avalanche, and maybe this is the plan. Maybe you look at that and go, hey, look, we're probably really going to need Jordan Bennington against the Colorado Avalanche. Mm-hmm. Not that you don't need him against the Stars, but yeah, the Avalanche, they've got some guys who can put the puck better. in the net. Yeah. So maybe a well-rested Jordan Bennington comes up big in that game, and then you get Hofer to play you know, the, the second game of the back-to-back. I don't hate it. What do you think about it? Well, I, I, You're I'm, an outsider kind of looking in. I like I do like going with your guy, right? I think if Jordan Bennington and as you said had a few days, they haven't played since what the twenty third, so it's four days of rest, three or four days. You you had a that's a lot of time to to regroup both mentally and physically. I would probably prefer it be Jordan Bennington, and I know he gave up the five goals, which as you said, a few of them were iffy. But I think that he's been your guy, and he he is your guy, and I like I like what he does. I like he his his aggressiveness and his ability to to make big plays for this team. So I'm I'm I would probably say Jordan Bennington, but they know better than I do, and I I tend to lean on the coaches in that in yeah. that regard and say they they must know something that we don't know, and probably the the pattern that you had is probably the right way that they're going to go about it. Yeah, and I think that there's a lot more that goes into it, and I know like look Dave. Dave Alexander is the goaltending coach, and he's actually, you would love this guy. Mm. I mean, he is a psychopath. <laughs> That's my kind of guy. I, to, I told him this morning, I said, you're one of my favorite psychopaths ever. And he is. He's all about goaltending yeah. and tendencies and trends and, like, the most defining detail. Like he, he's in there. He, the, like, the it's never off. The switch right. never goes off. Right. And so I could see him sitting down with the coaching staff and, and saying, hey, look, if we're mapping out games here where we have to find some starts for Joel Holfer right. in order to you know pay off the 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 whole thought process of resting Bennington there's going to be games where there're big te- big teams that you're playing against that Joel Holfer's going to have to carry the mail is there a, a time where the goalie says no it's me I'm I'm going tonight do 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 they give them that leeway can they can is there a, a goaltender that can say, hey, now, I know this was the plan, but we need this and I need to be in there for this? There could be. This a little early in the season for okay. that. And, you know, there'd be no reason for Jordan Bennington to do that. Joel Hofer has played very well. He's been right, a good teammate, right. been a good partner. You don't want to necessarily ruffle all the feathers gotcha. this early in the season, yeah. especially if it's kind of been a good working relationship. I think that this, if we're five games before the end of the season and you need these two points – and you're kind of knocking at the door for a wild card spot. Then yes, I think Jordan Bennington walking into the coach's office and saying, "Hey, listen, we're going to win or lose with me between right, the pipes." Right. And I think that's the that's time when to it, do yeah. it. You know, not but at some point there would be a possibility that he could could be. Yeah, not him, but anybody, but anybody any, that, any, that, any that player has that, in that, general, yeah. like a veteran that's been there, done that. that and, yeah, 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 give me. Yeah, I like those guys. Me too, Marshy. <laughs> What's your thoughts on this? I know you had some thoughts here earlier today about it. I know you're a big Blues fan. What do you think? I don't mind it at all. And to your point, like he's going to have to play in these big games. And if for whatever reason he needs to be the guy, you want him playing against top-level teams. And I think it, it can only help him from a confidence standpoint. So I don't mind it at all, especially with the, the schedule that's coming up. You're going to need Joel Hofer. And that's the whole reason why you brought him in. You didn't bring some other guy in. You need... Joel Hofer to play in big games like this, and I, I think it's a it's a good idea. I didn't expect it 
when I saw the news that he'd be starting, but I don't mind it whatsoever. Yeah, so we get a text here, the Air Comfort Service text line, which uh, is available at any point. I can't, there we go, 314-399-9646 from the 314. Uh, just, it's a good question. Said, is, Hofer, is the Hofer move possibly showcasing him or seeing if he can be a number one to trade Jordan Bennington? No, I don't believe that to be true. I don't think so either. I, I mean, no. Yeah, no. Uh, but my at one point, there were some talks of him potentially being moved. I think it was to Edmonton. It, it, was that the, well, no, the that rumor? No, that was the Edmonton media. That was their rumor. That, that they, was that their they, wish they, list. <laughs> that they that just threw CD, out there and see what crazy. <laughs> they, they just put stuff out there in the universe. And, and, they and somehow it, it becomes, reality. it just takes a hold. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that. I, 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 again, I like Jordan Bennington. I love his intensity. I love the mindset that he plays with. And I think that he's your your guy, obviously. Um, and so no, I would hope that this is not an opportunity to showcase Hope for, for, uh, for him to be your, your main goaltender and, and Jordan Bennington be gone. You need both of these guys. Yeah. You do. And if I'm looking at the goaltender pipeline, the Blues have a couple of prospect goalies coming, but they're nowhere near ready. Yeah. They're not. So what's your next move? So you trade Hofer. Who are you going to have? Who, who's it, now you end up with Bennington playing twice as many games right. again because you can't trust the guy right. he's with. Yeah. Okay, you trade Jordan Bennington. Now Joel Holfer has to speed track yeah. his development into being a number one. And what happens if he hits a bumpy road for a while? You're going to struggle. It doesn't make any yeah. sense at all. Yeah. Okay, it's like putting an elevator in an outhouse. It just doesn't make any sense at all. Okay, Kerry? Like yeah. Never heard that. Yeah. It's a new one. Well, try. Think about it. It makes no sense at all, right? None. So trading one of those guys would not make any sense at all. Uh, and I stand by that. And the last thing I wanted to talk about with Jordan Bennington is we were talking about the Michigan goal. Oh, man, I loved it. I had a chance. I know you, you did. You explained it to me, though. It made sense, so go, go ahead. So I, I had a chance to just sit down and just speak openly with Jordan Bennington, not not an interview format or anything, just kind of talking to him. And I said, you know, how challenging is that, like, for the goalies? He's like, well, the goaltending position hasn't caught up to the Michigan move yet. And he said, because when the player's behind the net – at a certain point, there's a blind spot. He said, you're not an owl. Can't turn your head all the way around, <laughs> right. right? So he says, and I have to assume that the player's going for a wraparound, which right. is a higher percentage play, meaning most more players can make that move than the Michigan. Yeah. So he says, I have to protect the bottom of the net and get, make sure I get across, pad on the ice, and seal off the post. He goes, when I finally pick up where the puck is at, it's too late because he's got it scooped up in the air and he's pushing it past my ear, right. and I'm trying to throw my head over <laughs> to get my face on it. <laughs> So, you know, he just said, look, the goaltenders are going to have to figure out something moving forward here where they pick up a tell from the player or they're able to cover that spot of the net a little quicker. But he says right now it's a very difficult thing. It was a beautiful move. Right. Doesn't that come down to that that defenseman that's supposed to be in front of the net? Like no he question. should be able to see. He if anything, see just it. just chop at him and take a penalty. <laughs> no, so the, in essence, what has to happen is you got the two goalposts. And when a player goes behind the net, you're supposed to seal off the goalposts. Mm-hmm. So then if a player makes a, a, any kind of a play from there, it's fanning outward. So to a non-dangerous yeah. area. Protect the middle, have him make it to a non-dangerous area, either via pass or skating it out wide right. because you're there. Mm-hmm. So the Blues defensively, when you see a guy go down behind the net, the defensemen both have to seal off the posts and the low forward has to pick up the top of the crease right. so that there's nobody standing there alone. 
And that's how it works. But it happens fast. Yeah. The other night, the way Connor Bedard just kind he of did, scooped scoop that putt it in was... motion. <laughs> it's not he... like he sat there calling out the Omaha, Omaha. <laughs> it happened quickly. It and, happened quickly. And, and Jordan Benson posted a, a funny a meme that I thought was hilarious because he was talking about how oh, yeah. to defend the, the Michigan. You just got to stick your stick at him. Just it, hit him. It has a young goalie skating <laughs> over and just like spearing the player. <laughs> well, we talked about Mike Legg doing it, and that's why it's called the Michigan. We talked about that Should yesterday. Should be called the Legger. Don't you think, Kerry? I like that better. Mike Legg is the player, former teammate of mine, okay. who's the very first guy to really? do it. Really? But they don't call it the Mike Legg or the Legger. They call it the Michigan. Did he go to Michigan? He did, but mm-hmm. it, it's the player, not the yeah. college. You give it the Legger. I like that. Yeah. The Legger. The Legger. But when he did it, he was like flat-footed, yeah. stood right behind the net, sort of like what Gretzky would do. And he then got down and then did it, whereas yeah. this was just in stride, like you said, like... That's tough to stop. Whereas if the player's just standing behind the net and tries it, then maybe you know the defenseman can call it out, like watch it it's or a whatever. Tough play, man. But it does, it doesn't happen all the time. That's why we it don't does, see it, it all the happen. time. That, like how many times does that happen a year? Once, twice. Oh, that move. Well, they, where, that where you have the same night. Well, you have successful in the same night. Really? Another player, Trevor yeah. Zegris, scored the same goal. Oh, I didn't see that one. <laughs> same night? <laughs> yep. I didn't see that one. These two young, talented guys just making the NHL ah, their playground. That's awesome. Goodness me. All right. We're uh, we're going to get into some NFL stuff. I want to, before I leave at 4 o'clock, and BT is going to be joining Kerry Davis, I want to talk a little more football with my guy, Kerry. And we're going to talk about some quarterbacks and some quarterback comparisons. And there's a quarterback, Marshy has a mystery quarterback. <laughs> That he likes and he wants to talk about. We'll get into that next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back here to the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Uh, in about 15 minutes from now, we're going to have a segment called Have You Bought Back Into the Blues? And we want your voices on this. Get to the 101 ESPN mobile app. Click that little microphone. It's a mic drop thing. And let us know how you feel about the Blues right now. Have you bought back into the Blues following their recent stretch of games, the firing of Craig Bruby, where the team's at right now. We want to hear from you, and we'll go over that in the 3 o'clock segment. But right now, Andrew Marsh, I'm passing the baton yes. over to you for the quarterback discussion. So I saw a, a tweet earlier today, and uh, first let me say that this is comparing a certain quarterback to Lamar Jackson, who I believe to be the front runner for the MVP right now. This past week against the 49ers, who I think heading into the week was the Best team in the NFL. I mean, he looked, he made them look like the Carolina Panthers. He was unbelievable. (laughs) He was unbelievable last week. But I saw a tweet comparing some stats to Lamar Jackson. And so I want to read these off. I'll start with Lamar Jackson's stats and then I'll go to this undisclosed quarterback. So Lamar has uh, (laughs) uh, passing yards. He has 3,357, 19 touchdowns, seven interceptions. His rushing yards are 786 and he has five rushing touchdowns. This undisclosed quarterback has 3,598 passing yards, 26 touchdowns, eight interceptions, but only 157 rushing yards with one touchdown. Okay. So I want first, we'll play this game. Jared Goff. That's who I initially thought, but you know who I really, you know who who, who came to mind? Who? Matthew Stafford. 
You guys are both wrong. Both wrong on here. (laughs) I'll say two things. Two things that, and I'm not saying this undisclosed quarterback by any means should be the MVP. But his numbers are better than Lamar's. They are. Ish. Ish. So the two difference for me is obviously the the rushing yards there. Lamar Jackson can make things happen. And we talked a week ago about Cam Newton talking about game managers and and game changers. And Lamar is a game changer, whereas this quarterback is not a game changer. But the stats are the stats. And the, the second difference is the records are completely different. Well, that that's that that speaks volumes. Completely man. different. So, so then you're you, talking about a, a team. Ooh, I'm I'm looking on this, on this. I'm ooh. trying to think about this too. I'm trying to because every quarterback is I'm it, thinking of is like injured. No, it might be. <laughs> <laughs> Who is it? Not Patrick Mahomes. It's not Patrick okay. Mahomes. Right. It's even worse. Really? Okay, so let's think about this for a second. Their their record is worse yes. than, than the Ravens. Mm-hmm. They are a division leader. Oh, it's not that made it. Shaky Bakey? It is, is it? Shaky Bakey. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the Shaky Breaky Heart. Listen, <laughs> as much as now, Baker Mayfield has been playing extremely well mm-hmm. like the the <laughs> it, which if anthony stalter was here obviously that's his favorite nickname for baker Mayfield, oh, Shaky yeah. Bakey. Oh, yeah. uh, he's not a fan or hasn't been but they he's are buying in he is he is he he's, starting he's to buy in around and working you, you kind of have to when yeah. you when he's yep. been performing the way that he has i would not have expected that though i didn't either so when i saw the tweet i was like there's no way so i had to go on nfl.com and, and look at the stats <laughs> you but verified it i had to verify it <laughs> but like i feel like we are somewhat overlooking Baker Mayfield because of oh. his past. Yeah, but okay, so you're right. You're 100% right. But what did I say at the start of the year, Marshy? You're a witness to this. Mm-hmm. Anthony was too. He's not here today. Carrie, I don't know if you heard that show. I know you're an avid listener. Mm-hmm. But um, what did I say at the start of the season with Baker Mayfield in Tampa? You said that he was going to have a pretty good year, like Why a bounce back that? year because of Mike Evans, yeah, Chris, Chris Godwin. Godwin. I said the players around him will make him yeah. better than he actually is. Mm-hmm. And I, this is exactly what's happened. So I will I will actually say that Baker, in my opinion, I, I, I think we often consider Baker Mayfield and 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 Johnny Manziel one and the same. Which I is agree. Not, I, I know they're not, but I think that people some people put do, them sure. together mm-hmm. in, in terms that. of yeah. mindset and attitude and how kind of the moxie that they have. Uh-huh. Baker Mayfield is a much better quarterback than Johnny Manziel ever was. Baker Mayfield, when he came and showed up in in Los Angeles and played after a couple of days in that offense and won that game, showed me a lot. He's played on some really terrible teams in in Cleveland and took Cleveland to the playoffs. Didn't have much help. Didn't have much. Multiple head coaches, multiple offensive coordinators. Uh, Then he went to Carolina when they were trying to lose. They traded away Christian McCaffrey. They weren't trying to win. And so he goes to uh, L.A. last year and has a a pretty good run there. And when he got to, to Tampa, I thought, you know what, as you said, with the mm-hmm. players that he has around him, this could be the best situation that Baker Mayfield has probably ever been in in his entire NFL career. So, and he's he's playing extremely well. So one uh, one thing that was said, I forget who said it, was on the NFL Network. They had a panel of people. It doesn't matter who said it. They, they said that going to the Rams may have been the best thing to happen to Baker Mayfield yeah. because they said that Sean McVay 
taught him how to process certain things on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. And, and so that he could recognize coverages. Or, look, I'm speaking out my ear hole a little bit here because I don't know all the ins and outs. of. I'm not going to pretend to be yeah. NFL guy here, not with NFL Super Bowl <laughs> champion standing next to me. But he said that going there, even though it was a short amount of yeah. time, really helped him. There are certain things that certain coaches can unlock. And by that, I mean just open your mind up to something that you've never understood. I was in the NFL for four years before my coach, Kirby Wilson, taught me something about how to pick up blitzes and understand where they were coming from that other NFL coaches had never taught me or told me. I didn't even know. And and when I saw it, I'm like, oh, my God, that makes life that much easier. (laughs) Why haven't I learned this yet? (laughs) Didn't learn it in college. Been in the NFL four years, and here I am learning this. And it makes my life that much simpler. So there are coaches that can show you certain things. And I think I do agree. Baker Mayfield and Sean McVay, the way that he understands offense and the way that he explained it to Baker, you saw it. He was only there for two days or two or three days and was able to pick up that offense and have success. And so it it may have unlocked something in Baker, and he's having – his best year that I've seen him have in his entire career. It's fun. Oh, Sean McVay is the best playbook. Oh. That's one of our listeners imitating Anthony Stalter. I mean, and it's bang on. It's bang on. <laughs> okay. Oh, We're going to come back here with uh, some mic drops. So, again, the theme for our mic drop here for this segment coming up is have you bought back into the Blues the 101 ESPN mobile app. Just click the little microphone, leave your mic drop. Marshy's going to go through those, and we'll get to your mic drops when we get back here on 101 ESPN. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Fastlane here on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers, Carrie Davis, Andrew Marsh driving the bus here. Anthony Stalter will be back soon. Don't know when, but he'll be back soon, I think. No, he'll be back. I'm just kidding. Yeah, and uh, for those keeping track (laughs) at home, uh, the World Junior Championship is officially started. Team Canada in a nail-biter here. Uh, 10-0 over Latvia right now with seven and a half minutes left in the game. You got a text from the 636. Canada treating Latvia like Rivs treats 11-year-olds. I heard about that. I was listening this morning. You, 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 You went in after them. You got them? Nothing's given in life, Gary. And as nor should it be. No, it, it happened to be my girlfriend's son. That's <laughs> life. You know, I said, honey, <laughs> this is good for him. She's like, but he's crying. I'm like, it's good for him. Bill character. He didn't cry. <laughs> he was laughing about it. He's coming back today. We're giving him a rematch because oh, there you go. Danny Max swayed me yesterday. So did the text line. He ended up with random okay. as a category. That's a tough one for it, an 11-year-old. And he still got three out of the four answers okay. right. So he's going to beat one of us today. You know, he's calling me out again. Oh, he got you again. He, does, he hasn't told me what, <laughs> what category. We won't. Random is not available. Okay. 
So it'll be baseball, football, or hockey. Nice. I have a feeling he's going to go with hockey because he really knows a lot about oh, hockey. But He can't know more than you, though. That's the thing, right? So that's the strategy. <laughs> Does he go with football? Because he knows a lot about football, too. Okay. Does he try and, you know, curveball oh, on this one? Gonna be I don't know. We'll find out. So the gauntlet today will be at 345 uh, because i got to get out of here at you know, for 4 o'clock yes. and be on the road, especially with the weather looking the way it is and St. Louis drivers being the way they are sometimes. <laughs> Just saying. All right, so we asked you for your mic drops. Have you bought back into the blues? Marshy, who we got up? First off, we have oh, Jody. Jody, there it is, right there on the board. <laughs> Thanks, Carrie. <laughs> I'm not used to the board being there, though. The board's usually over near Anthony. <laughs> All right, this one's from Jody. Hi, guys. I think that come from behind victory against the Blackhawks was amazing. I loved everything they did, but I am still not totally sold yet. It's going to take them beating Dallas tonight, and how about beating Colorado? That'd be pretty awesome, too, but no matter what, let's go Blues. Well, Jody, thank you for the mic drop. I love it. Uh, here's why I am. You've already beaten the Dallas Stars. You're down 2 nothing. came back to win that game, and you beat the wheels off of Colorado in mm-hmm. Colorado. What was it, 8-3 to three or something like that? Something crazy? Was it? Yeah. 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 I was there, Kerry. Yeah, you were there. You would know better than I would. Yeah, I mean, although my memory's <laughs> terrible, but I, I do think I remember that one. But either way, you've beaten both of those teams, so it's not impossible right. for you. Uh, you know, they're, they're good teams. They're at the top of your division, but as a group, you're playing better hockey right now. So we'll see. All right, we got another one here from Rick. Rick, what do you have to say? I just don't want to get my hopes up. It'll be like the Minnesota Vikings oh, all over again. So <laughs> I'll stay on the sidelines for the Blues and... Hope for the best and plan for the worst. <laughs> Thanks, boys. Love the show. Yeah, Come Vikings. on. <laughs> I feel like Rick, does, that was a ricochet. Yeah. Get it? Take a shot at you. Right at uh, our guy Andrew Marsh here. Marshy, I'm sorry to hear about your Vikings. Well, it's tough. You know, yeah. you got a bunch of injuries going on. Are and they on their fourth it is quarterback? what it is. Are they on yeah. their fourth quarterback? Well, they might start Jaron Hall this upcoming week. I actually hope they do. <laughs> which that, he was their was second quarterback. Well, he, he actually he was QB two, and then Joshua Dobbs took over for him when he got hurt, and then Nick Mullins started. So Mullins is actually four. Yeah, but but then sounds like they possibly go back to two. <laughs> I don't know. That's unbelievably terrible. <laughs> That's awful. Wow. All right, so we uh, we got a couple things to talk about here. Go well, ahead, I, I was going to say for me, I am a person that is cautiously optimistic. Okay. But with the emphasis on the cautious, right? I I want to see the blues. So you're a doubter. Uh, if you I mean, if, if the emphasis is on the no, cautious, the emphasis is on the cautious. That just means I am going to proceed with caution. Uh. I, I I I'm watching. I saw the game. I, obviously, I saw how they came back and how they fought back into that game. Were able to win it. But I I also have seen this team not show up and with the energy and effort for a full sixty minutes. So. I would like to see it for three, four, five games in a row. That doesn't mean you have to win three, four, five games in a row. That just means you have to show up for 60 minutes with that effort and energy for three, four, five games in a row. And And then I will be on the the bandwagon. And I don't blame you at all. And I think that that's the one thing, you know, going back to Doug Armstrong's presser when he discussed the firing of Craig Berube and the addition of interim head coach Drew Bannister. He just said, listen – I'm not, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but basically emphasizing on the way it looks rather than the result. Right. And, you know, the numbers can tell you a certain story, but when you watch enough hockey 
or enough football or baseball or basketball, whatever your sport is, you can usually tell when the effort is there. And you can usually tell by watching your team if they really were trying or not. Yeah. Regardless of the results. Sometimes you win games you shouldn't. And, and, and sometimes you lose games you should win, but it, it's about, like you said, what it looks like. And, and you know, I mean, when you're playing a game or when you're watching a game, you're like, they, they're not doing enough to win this game and they're going to lose. Or you conversely, can feel it. you can feel it. You, you, you just know. Like, I mean, I'm sure there were plenty of fans. We talked about it that when they got down three goals in the third period against the Blackhawks, all right, well, this is kind of on par for what we've seen all season. People left, Kerry. <laughs> I, I saw I, them. I don't, I don't blame them. I saw them. I shamed them. You, you didn't. You no, didn't. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, I, I get it. I, I was understand. like, I don't wait. Get yeah. to the exits. Get Go home. Ahead. Get home. Beat yeah. the traffic. And then all of a sudden they start scoring some goals. I'm and like, hang on. We're back. <laughs> all right, we got in a, a, another mic drop here from our guy, Courtney. Hey, what's up, fellas? Look, I'm not buying into this team. What? I've seen this before. I've seen it earlier this season. I've seen it last season. It's the same group of players. I don't see why anything would be different. I've seen them beat really good teams, and I've seen them lose to really bad teams. I I just don't know what to expect out of this team. I've seen... Opposing teams target players, try to give players on the Blues the business with no repercussions, with no get back, with no fight back from the Blues. It just just comes across as either they're not playing for each other or they're soft. And I don't know which one it is, but... Either way, it's not a good look for the team. So, new coach, same problems. New coach, same players. If a Stanley Cup winning coach couldn't turn this around, I'm sorry. I'm going to give our new coach a chance. But if Chief couldn't do it, I don't think he can either. Well, Courtney, appreciate the mic drop. A lot to unpack in that one there. I think I think the main thing that I got from it, and, and I'm not, one, I don't think Courtney's wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay, There are certain things in, in that mic drop that I don't think Courtney's wrong. There, there are instances this season where the team did not look like they're going to stick up for each other, did not look like they were going to gel together, right. did not look like the group that maybe we thought they could be. But I will say in the last five games, it's been different. Yeah. It has been. Uh, you know, you had the situation in Florida where Jake Neighbors gets hit, and it wasn't even a, a vicious hit, but the, the result was bad. Right. He gets his nose busted open because he bangs his face on the glass. Mm-hmm. Tory Krug, who's about five foot seven, five foot eight, depending on the shoes he's wearing, <laughs> goes up and gets in that dude's face right. and pops him one. Braden Shen grabs him, and then, like, Braden Shen's telling him he's going to kick his face in, yeah. basically. And so... There's been some some adjustments that way. I see a group that is playing harder for each other overall right yeah. now. Now it's five games. You know, ultimately, what does this look like in 25 games right. or 30 games? Uh, so I can see why Courtney would be looking at it the way he is. But one thing we have to remember here is even though Craig Berube was a Stanley Cup coach and had all that success, 
like, look at how many coaches over the course of time, it just, the well ends up drying up yeah. on them. And it's not the coach's fault. We'll blame the players. I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. But the coach still is the one who suffers, you know, the the ultimate punishment by being fired. I, I don't know about you, but I'm always of the mindset that it's on the players. I, I'd never – I mean, there are times where a coach is doing something so egregious that he does deserve to lose his job. But more times than not, as a player, you control way more than what a coach controls. All, oh, yeah. all the coach does is prepare you for the game, and it's your job to execute that plan. And if you're not executing that plan, then someone's going to get fired, and it's probably him. Um, when Courtney's talking about the team not fighting for one another, that to me, when I was seeing that earlier in the season, that was a bit problematic because you're with those guys more than you are your own family. Oh, yeah. Like you, you, road trips, especially in hockey, baseball, basketball, you're on the road way more than football where it's one day and you're you're traveling to a different city and back home. There is no way that you cannot have a, a comfortable, comfortable, what's the word I'm like? Comfortable, comfortableness, yeah. Comfort level? Comfort level. That's sure. that's it, what I'm looking for. I got you. With that teammate, with that friend, and and not fight for that guy that is next to you because um, you're with them so much. And when they weren't doing that on the ice, that's part of the reason why I felt that they were losing. They, they just – it almost seemed like they didn't care enough about each other that if you don't care enough about the guy next to you, well, why the hell do I need to go in there and do this job when that's not my business? I don't, I don't need to, to work that hard for this guy because – that's not how I feel about them. Yeah, and that's the ultimate sign of a losing team. Yes. It is. And, and I, you know, I can't tell you enough. I can't tell you. You can't tell me. Both of us can't tell people enough how important it is to be in that locker room and looking across at the guy who's on your team knowing they're do, going to go out there and do their job yes. and they've got your back. Yes. I, I, I tell people, so Troy was, was Troy Palomalu is, is probably one of the, yeah, not probably, he's, greatest safeties to ever play the game, but he is a better person. And that defense, if you said something like they were they were violent individuals regardless, right? They they loved hitting people and harming people. But if you bothered Troy, they turned into a different pack of animals. It was like a group of just just wild animals like, oh, you're speaking to Troy. Oh, so now we're really going to harm you. <laughs> we were already going to harm you, but you don't get to talk to Troy that way. And so it, it just, because they loved him and they yeah. loved one another that much. And I've you've been around teams that are like that. Like You played with Steve Eisman. There was not a person that was going to nudge or bump or speak to him in no. a way that you all deemed unnecessary, right? Because no. if you did, now there you got to pay. to be paid. <laughs> you yeah, you got to pay sure. the cost. Yeah. So... I felt like this team didn't have that. Maybe they're gaining that now, and maybe that's why they're winning. Well, for me, in the last handful of games here, five games, it is a sample size. It has looked better. Mm -hmm. It has looked better. The game in Tampa was a tough one. That's a really talented team, and you just didn't play well. But the rest of the games that you have here, you've looked pretty good. Comfortability. That's what I was looking for. Comfortability? Yeah. Couldn't spit it out. It's okay, buddy. Just wouldn't come out. Welcome to the fast Thank lane. Thank you. We have a lot of those things that happen. <laughs> the wheels seize up a lot here. Appreciate no, it, 314, no. and thanks, Dad. You're going to fit right in, buddy. <laughs> That's Kerry Davis, Jamie Rivers here, Andrew Marsh working the dials. We're going to come back here with NFL fill in the blank on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
Welcome back to the Fast Lane here, 101 ESPN. Kerry Davis, Jamie Rivers, Andrew Marsh, 317. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. It's time for NFL fill-in-the-blank with our guy, Marshy. All right, we're looking towards the playoffs. We have two weeks left until the playoffs get underway in the NFL. So that is what this fill-in-the-blank will revolve around. We'll start off with blanks defense will be a problem for other teams come playoff time. Okay, all right. Wow, Kerry, uh, what do you think? Uh, Whose I mean, defense is going to be? I mean, we, have... we 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 saw it on Monday night. We saw it clear as day. Baltimore Ravens are the best team in the NFL, and I have been saying that all year. Uh, and and for me to say it is it, truly must be true. It, it has to be true. And coming from a true to, Ravens fan, it, too. exactly, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers fan. For me to say that the the Baltimore Ravens are and have been the best team all season long, it's got to be true. And we saw it Monday night. They shut down the San Francisco 49ers, turned them over five times, four turnovers by Brock Purdy. I mean, come on. They were getting after the quarterback, getting after the 49ers. And and the 49ers still had some some big plays offensively, but they just could not get, in, get into the end zone. And so it's going to be the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, I can't argue with that. I actually have no argument to that. I will add this. So for me – not that that's an obvious one, but it's kind of obvious. And to your point, we just saw it on display against one of the best, if not the best, offense in the NFL that got shut down by the Ravens' defense. Let me ask you this, Kerry. If, and it looks like they're going to make it, and I'm trying to double-check you right now, but the Cleveland Browns, yeah. if they get in, which it looks like they are going to get in, okay? Can that defense win them a playoff game? You know, you got Joe Flacco under center, like not Dan Marino. Okay, no, not not Dan. But you got a defense that really your defense has you at ten and five right now. Yeah, they they are a team. I would say they scare me. I, I, honest, I don't know how the hell the, the the Browns are where they are right now. They are also <laughs> on their fourth quarterback. That fourth quarterback being a guy that was sitting at home watching football like you and I on Sundays, uh-huh. and then they called him in and said, "Hey, you want to play football again?" And now he's starting Joe Flacco. They, this is their fourth quarterback that has played for them, and you, you lose your best player in Nick Chubb. But that defense is spectacular. I just don't know that come playoff time if they will be able to generate enough points offensively to do anything. So they don't concern me in that regard. There's a Ravens team uh, a while back that had a quarterback named Joe Flacco. Yeah, he took um, the Super Bowl. That uh, <laughs> ended up winning a Super Bowl because they had a pretty good defense. They did have a really good defense then. That was a 10 You see history repeating itself? Nah, that was about 10, 12 years ago. That <laughs> Joe Flacco was a much younger man. <laughs> Than the Joe Flacco I, we see now. I just was trying to see you, you know? discriminate in age, ageism, but Seriously. I was just saying he's especially coming from us. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, he can still throw up the the ball and get a pi. I mean, that's what he's really good for, oh, right? Man. Oh boy, <laughs> this is a good point. All right, moving on. Blank will blow their chance to make the playoffs. Oh wow! Ooh, Ooh. Uh, initially. I want to say the Buffalo Bills. That that's the team that comes to mind first. I mean, and and because any other any of the other teams, like you don't you didn't expect the Saint, the Saint Louis, the Los Angeles Rams to have as much success as they as they've had this year. You didn't expect it from the the Seahawks, the Vikings probably, but then Kirk Cousins goes down, and then all the other teams you probably didn't expect much from. I think the Buffalo Bills are the one team sitting there at the sixth seed right now. 
that could potentially blow their opportunity, their chance. They got the Patriots, and then they end with the Dolphins. And kind of depends how things play out. Mm-hmm. If the Dolphins actually need to play their guys in that game, or if they sit them. But you know, that yeah. that's probably the team for me. Yeah, I I don't I can't really disagree. The only team I looked at, or the only other two teams I looked at, were the Rams and the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. But then I look at who's nipping at their heels. It's the Vikings who don't have a quarterback. It's the Falcons who don't really have a quarterback. It's the Green Bay Packers who I don't know what the hell they are. So I just don't know if there's enough behind yeah. those two teams in order for them to become, you know, uh, the team that fails at making the playoffs. So yeah. I'm going to side with CD on this one and say that it could be the Buffalo Bills. All right, next one we have Blank will lose in the playoffs because of coaching. Ooh. Oh, wow. Ooh. Staley's out already. So <laughs> he, he is. Uh, as far as coaching. so I'm going to let you go first because I got one that's going to surprise you. Okay. Let me ask you this. Do you think, as good as this guy has been, he's my guy, too. He's my favorite guy. Oh, I had the same thought. He's my favorite guy in the world, man. Like, I would crush beers with this guy until I couldn't move anymore. Do you think Dan Campbell blows it for the Lions Ooh. at some point? <laughs> I don't think it would be on Dan Campbell. I think I just don't think that the Lions have enough. Like, they're a really good team. I think they're a year or two away. Like, does he get too fired up at one point? I make a decision. No, I love it. Like, watching Dan Campbell on the sideline, I believe it. Like, he's a tight end. He's a guy. Now, when I watch Jim Harbaugh on the sideline and he's got cleats on, you were a quarterback. I don't believe you. (laughs) I don't don't believe you. I don't believe that you're a tough guy because you played quarterback. You wore a red jersey all practice, bro. No one could touch you. But Dan Campbell? Like I, no, I, I would, I would probably join in that that beer drinking thing. Right. So we, we can get to it. Yeah, I just worry that he's going to get so fired up and he's going to be like, "Let's go for it!" And it's fourth and twenty-two. <laughs> he yeah. might. Own twenty. He might. You know, like <laughs> it's possible. All reason <laughs> goes out of his brain. Like, ah, do it. No, wait, no. That's it's my not. that's my concern. I uh, agree with you, Carrie. I think if they were to lose, it'd probably be because of Jared Goff's yeah. inability to protect the football. Yeah. I know he, he's very like sporadic with with his game, yeah. so I don't know which version of Jared Goff yeah. you're going to get, especially if they're playing the Rams with Matthew Stafford. Right. That matchup really intrigues yeah. me, if that's what the matchup will be. I agree. The team I was going to say, and, and it's probably going to be mind-blowing because we don't think of him in this way, it's going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh. And the reason why I say that... Wow, CD doesn't like Andy Reid. No, I love wow. Andy Reid, but the <laughs> I played running back. Playoffs, you oh, yeah. run the ball and you play defense, and they have not shown an ability to catch the ball enough in Kansas City, yet they continue to keep throwing it. Isaiah Pacheco, when he's healthy, hand the ball to him. Let him get him involved in the game as much and as early as often. And if they don't, that would be the reason why I think the Kansas City Chiefs would lose. Just because they don't, their inability or unwillingness to run the ball. It's a good uh, observation because we talked about that before the show. Andy Reid doesn't really like to run the ball, man. He's just going to throw yeah. it, throw it, throw it, and they're not going to catch it. Last one here. <laughs> good, good point. Blank has the best chance in the playoffs with their backup quarterback. Oh, man. There's going to be a couple of teams that have backup quarterbacks. Uh, like, you got Cleveland. They've got Joe Flacco. We already talked about him. Who else is in there? Seattle. Is he? Is Geno back playing yet? Everybody yeah. else is pretty much got their starter. Solidified. Yeah. You have the Colts. The Colts. Uh, they're not making uh, it, though. They, they might they? make it into the playoffs. Gardner Minshew Magic. 
Probably the Cleveland Browns. I yeah, mean. I'm gonna say I'm gonna stick with my guy Joe Flacco just yeah. because all the other teams like that. That's a real drop off. I can't believe we are talking about Joe Flacco in 2023. Are they have a- <laughs> I can't either. I feel like I just woke up from a concussion. They would play. I think right now they'd play Jacksonville, who has been on a steady decline. I could see them winning that game I if that's what the matchup see is. The Browns absolutely screwing up the Jaguars with their defense. Mm-hmm. And making life miserable for Trevor Lawrence. And all Joe Flacco has to do is just do the three, four yard passes. Just Dump get him off. in. Yeah. Dump. Mm-hmm. Here you go. Here you go. A 17 10 game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Terrible. All right, we got one more. No, that's it. That's, that's it. all I got for you, gentlemen. All right, that's fine. We uh, we got uh, this is going to be Kerry Davis's first time ever, I believe. In the Prove Me Wrong segment? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I believe so. So the law firm of Stalter and Rivers does okay. a pretty good job. And and so Prove Me Wrong is a segment where Marshy gives us a statement and we have to prove the statement wrong. Okay. So even if we agree with them, we still have to be the lawyer thing. <laughs> We're paid here to change your mind. Gotcha. So you're going to have to, well, I'm giving you a little bit of a head start here. So you put All your right. lawyer's hat on okay. and get ready to roll here. Okay, ready. buddy? Ready. So Prove Me Wrong when we come back here uh, in the fast lane, and don't forget the gauntlet at 3.45 today. We have a returning contestant, an 11-year-old that I beat the brakes off of yesterday <laughs> looking for a rematch. <laughs> That's happening here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Prove me wrong, kids. Prove me wrong. It's a fast lane here on 101 ESPN. It is time for Prove Me Wrong. Once again, the game where you give us a Prove Me Wrong and we have to take the opposite side of it as the law firm today of uh, Rivers and Davis. You don't care whose name's first, do you? I'm the new guy. He gets all pissed. I'm the new guy. The new guy always goes last, right? Anthony's always like, get me Stalter. (laughs) It doesn't make sense if you go Rivers and Stalter and I'm not. It's really bad, isn't it, (laughs) Murphy? It is pretty tough. Like, it's, it's wild. Just, like, big, tough guy, Anthony, chest hair poofed out everywhere, his gold chains. Anyways. It's wild because R comes before S in the alphabet. And it always will. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it is what it is. All right. All right. From the got, 636, prove me wrong. The hype around the Mizzou Tigers will not last if they have a bad season next season. So, I have to... <laughs> You're asking me to prove that. that Your Honor, we it need a minute will. to clarify here. Okay. <laughs> I need to prove that it will last. Is that what I'm doing? Yep. Okay. Yeah. All right. This is going to be. This is, we're All working right. here. Your Honor, uh, this is yours. Handing the ball off All to right. you. The Honorable I, Kerry Davis will be approaching this. I will say that the Mizzou Tigers have done a great job in recruiting. We heard Eli Drinkowitz say earlier this offseason, you know, between bowl games and, and the bowl prep, that they are no longer actually recruiting I'm paraphrasing but they're actually selecting the kids that they want guys are they're able to go out and pick their pick that they want to come and play at the at the University of Missouri so I'm I I have no reason to believe that they won't be as good if not better and then you look at their schedule the schedule that they have for 2024 is set up for them to be playing in an SEC championship game and if you're in the SEC championship game obviously you're going to have 12 teams next year you're putting yourself to be one of the top seeds in that bracket and it's on you. So what they did this year was outstanding. 
they're building their program in a way that will allow them to sustain success for not only next year, but for years to come. Yes! I'll give it to you. First victory. (laughs) I am on board with this Mizzou Tigers team. They have captured my heart in a sense. I went to two football Aww. games. Two football Look games. That's the most sweet he is over there. <laughs> that's the most I've ever been to for Mizzou. All right, next one from the 636. The New York Jets coach and general manager deserve another shot next season with a fully healthy Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, well, I disagree. I disagree. You had your chance. I know Aaron Rodgers blew out his wheel in the very first, what, minute and a half of the game or eh, something like plays. that? Yeah, four plays in. That's Three tough of them break. Got sacked on, I think. But what about the rest of your roster? What about that? You created this mess. Yeah. And you said, oh, I got a defensive guy. I got a great defense. How'd that help you under center? How'd that help <laughs> you pass the football? How'd that help your offense? It didn't. It didn't. And your general manager and your coach couldn't figure out how to fix the team. Never mind now with Aaron Rodgers. Or even before that, what did they have? Zach Wilson, a high draft pick. Boy, did you get that wrong. You got that one really wrong, which automatically right there, you should be fired on the spot for that, especially when you got a guy who apparently was refusing to play because he was always butthurt about not getting the starting (laughs) job, and now you don't believe in me. Screw that. That's on you, coach. That's on you, GM. You didn't put the right roster together. Look at some of the other rosters around the NFL that have no quarterback right now. Look at the Cleveland Browns. Joe freaking Flacco is winning football games for these guys. 10-5. Yeah. So what? What? What's what your is your excuse? excuse? Aaron Rodgers? No, <laughs> it's not. It's the rest of the team that you built. It's the systems that you're playing. It's your offense that you're running out there, and it certainly is the draft picks and the signings that you've made. So no, they should go. Very well. That was, easy. Well was easy. Oh, hey, good job. Not easy. You got to make sure we can charge a premium for this kind of lawyer. No, I'm just saying your, your your argument was sound, and it made my my decision easy. Right, it was great. You. From the 980, prove me wrong. This one might be tough. Uh-oh. Lamar Jackson is the best overall scrambling quarterback since Michael Vick. Oh, Gary, uh, this is you. You would know all, especially you were right. Yeah, this is your wheelhouse. So, the best overall scrambling quarterback since Michael Vick. I would have to assume that this person never watched Michael Vick. Uh, or, or are they are they including Michael Vick? Or, oh, that's gonna be hard. Since Michael Vick, yeah, since I, I kind of agree with it. <laughs> oh, <I'm> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. So I don't agree. Hang with on, it. Your Honor. Can um, we can we can we can sidebar? I request, <laughs> I request a little bit of a uh, a moment here. Your request is granted. Okay, uh, I'll handle this. Okay, one. you got that. Okay, all right, go ahead. You tell me who's better. Don't know where I'm going with okay, it. Okay, go ahead. This one. All right, Your Honor, we've changed counsel for this. It's within our legal parameters that, uh, based on the same legal team, we can change who, in fact, mm. is going to be the yes. defense attorney. And uh, Lawyer Rivers will be taking over from here. Thank you. Uh, yeah, Lamar Jackson is not the best scrambling quarterback since Michael Vick. And to Kerry's point, which he started to get out and then went a little sideways, Michael Vick was um, maybe not the best scrambling quarterback ever either. But it didn't matter because he was so athletic and so talented that you overlook some of that. But look at some of these other guys. Look at Kyler Murray. Look at that. Like His numbers passing may not be all that great, but you put the ball in that guy's hands, mm-hmm. good luck catching him. He's a hell of a player out there. He scrambles very well, makes big plays. Even Jalen Hurts. Look at Jalen Hurts. That's a guy. How about the tush push? Never mind scrambling. How about an automatic first down, an automatic touchdown every time that guy gets the ball out there? So if you're telling me Lamar Jackson is the best scrambling quarterback since Michael Vick, that's a tall tale that I just can't agree with. Well, I can't agree with what you just said. (laughs) 
Son of a... <laughs> I tried, Carrie. I, I tried, man. I, I did my best. <laughs> you did a good job, man. I Kyler Murray, you, you had me. I was like, oh, you know what, Kyler Murray? I, I could see it. I could see it. But uh, unfortunately... That's tougher than I thought. <laughs> Had a no more dice. time to prepare. I think we'd have done it. No dice on that one. All right. From the 314, prove me wrong. Jordan Walker is overrated. No. Oh, you got this one? Go yeah, ahead, I think so. So here's a young man from, from Georgia and 6'5, six, 6'6. Six, six. A young man that is um, going to be a stellar player for his entire career. You don't find guys like this really anywhere. I mean, you, 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 these are once-in-a-generation type of players. Think think Aaron Judge with the New York Yankees. And, and is he overrated? I mean, he got paid a, a, a fair fair amount of money yeah, he's, he's, to do what he does, and he does it well. And Jordan Walker, I know some people may say, oh, he doesn't feel well. He's his first year playing in that position. When you're as athletic as a young man, and as young as a young man as Jordan Walker is, you're going to just get better and better the more reps, the more opportunities you get at your position. He's going to do an outstanding job. There is no way you can consider a young man with the talent that he has overrated because he's going to far exceed any expectations that have been placed on him and for him throughout his entire career. Yes! I like it. <laughs> All like right, it we got lot. time for one more. Yeah, this might uh, play right into uh, the gauntlet. From the oh, 636, boy. prove me wrong. Rivers is sleeping on the couch again tonight <laughs> after he beats down on an 11-year-old. Yeah, first of all, I don't ever sleep on the couch. That's my castle, okay? <laughs> you don't like what I did that day. You don't like what I said. You're you're welcome to go sleep on the couch. <laughs> or you could sleep in misery beside me in the nice king-size bed that we have. There will be yeah. no sleeping on the couch. Yeah, we don't give 11-year-olds free passes here. <laughs> the fast lane. There's two mottos, right? One, nobody's safe, and mm-hmm. two, we bury the bodies. Mm-hmm. We didn't say how old these people were. We didn't say True. what was going on. We didn't say what the circumstances were. So, if and when, which is going to be coming up in a couple minutes here, Reed is looking for his rematch against me in the gauntlet, if I could take Reed outside behind the woodshed and have my way and win that one, I'm going to do it. That's what we say here in the fast lane. And I'm with you. Yes! Sorry, Reed! (laughs) Sorry, Reed, but now we're actually going to find out. When we come back, we've got a returning contestant, Reed. He's coming back. He's 11 years old. He's a little encyclopedia. He's a little mega mind in the making. Uh, Today, he's, he's apparently he's already called me out, and he's going to be able to pick the category to which he's withheld from me. So we're going to find out what's on Reed's mind here. We come back with a gauntlet on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Three warriors, four categories, one challenger. Can you master the gauntlet? Brought to you by Master, your hometown source for business communications for more than 30 years. Visit Mastor.com. Time for the gauntlet here in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. Kerry Davis alongside Andrew Marsh and myself, Jamie Rivers. We got a returning contestant. We had an uh, just an outcry of people who hated me yesterday for beating Reed uh, at random yesterday. So uh, first, let's welcome back Reed. Reed, how you doing? Good. All right. Uh, did you get a good night's sleep? Yeah. Did you take your vitamins today? Oh, my gosh. Did you yeah. eat properly? Yeah. Okay, I just don't want any excuses today if I beat you, you know? I don't want to have you crying like you were last night. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, Reed, so you have declared war upon me. I know this because you told me several times that I'm the one you're going after. Um, 
I'm going to leave the room. And when I leave the room, Marshy's going to take over, and he's going to spin the wheel. The wheel only has hockey or football on it today. Right. Is that okay with you? Yeah. Okay. All right, Reed, I'm handing you off to Marshy right now. I'm going to head over to the cone of silence, and then Marshy will call me back in when we're ready. Good luck, Reed. All right. <laughs> All right, Reed, you know the drill. Before we get started, we'll go over the... Rules for those that do not know how the gauntlet works. You have four questions. If you get the uh, if you get the question correct without using the options, you get two points. If you have to use the options and you get it correct, you get one. And of course, if you do not get the question correct, you get zero points. Are you ready? Yes, I Alrighty. am. Alrighty, tell me to spin the wheel. That wheel. All right, like Jamie said, we only have hockey and football today. Is there one specific one that you want? Not really, no. All right. How does hockey sound? I'm up for it. All right. (laughs) Let's do it. I'm going to give Carrie the questions. And this is a real test because Jamie's category is hockey. So if he's going to take Jamie down, it's got to be in hockey. So, all right. We have the questions. You ready to go? Yep. Let's do it. Question number one. Drew Bannister played 164 games for four different teams in his NHL career. With which team did he play the most games? I'm going to take the option here. What was that? He said he'd take the options. The options? All right. Options are the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim, or the Edmonton Oilers? I'm going to go the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. Final answer? Final answer. All right, Reed. In 2014 Olympics, TJ Oshie's memorable shootout performance was against which Russian goaltender? I'm going to take the options here. All right. Good luck. (laughs) 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 Evgeny Nabovka, Sergei Bobrovsky, or Ilya Brizgalov? Say that last one, please. Ilya Brizgalov. Brizgalov. That's what I said. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with the second one. Sergei Brizgalov. Final answer? Final answer. All right. Question number three. Who did the Vegas Golden Knights defeat in the conference final last year to send them to the Stanley Cup final? The Dallas Stars. Final answer? Final answer. All right, Reed, two different Blues have two shorthanded goals this season. Pavel Buchnevich is one of them. Who is the other? I think it's Robert Thomas, final answer. All right, let's bring Jamie back in here. Can he? He's not paying attention. How are you feeling, yeah. Reed? I'm feeling good. All right, let's see how Jamie does today. Jamie, welcome back. Hi, guys. The category is hockey. Oh, boy, this is going to be a tough one. <laughs> Reed right. knows his hockey. I'm a little nervous, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, you should be, and you should pack a lunch. Dang it. Ooh, Here yeah. we go. Question. Or, right. Carrie, do you want to do question no, number I'm, one? I'm good. I'll read them just like I did. Okay, I'm, perfect. I... <laughs> <laughs> Something tells me something's up here. Question number one. Drew Bannister played 164 games for four different teams in his okay. NHL career. With which team did he play the most games? That's a really good question. Um, 
I know he played a lot of games with Anaheim and a lot of games with Tampa and some with Edmonton. I think he played the most games with the Tampa Bay Lightning just because he was their second round pick. Going to give him a little more time to develop. I'll go with the Tampa Bay Lightning final answer. In, two, in the 2014 Olympics, T.J. Oshie's memorable shootout performance was against which Russian goaltender? Mm. I want to say Sergei Bobrovsky, but I'm trying to think if it was like Varlamov or... Uh, I know you're just going to give me three Russian names, too. So I'll, I'll just go out on a limb here. Sergei Bobrovsky, final answer. Question number three. Who did the Vegas Golden Knights defeat in the conference final last year to send them to the Stanley Cup final? Oh, man. Conference final last year. Uh, Dallas? Edmonton? I feel like it might have been the Oilers. Um, no, I think they beat the Oilers before that. Son of a batch of biscuits. Um, <clears throat> Give me the options, please. Options are the Colorado Avalanche, the Los Angeles Kings, or the Dallas ah. Stars. Dallas Stars, final answer. Two different Blues have two shorthanded goals this season. Pavel Buchnevich is one of them. Who is the other? Okay. I think it's Robert Thomas. Yeah. Robert Thomas, final answer. Yeah, I'm not sure of that, though. You think I'd know that, Gary? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go over the questions. We'll start uh, off with question number three. Who did the Vegas Golden Knights defeat in the conference final last year to send them to the Stanley Cup final? Reed, you said the Dallas Stars. Jamie, you said the Dallas Stars. The correct answer is... The Dallas Stars. But... Reed didn't use the options. No <laughs> Reed is up two to one. Dang it. Question number four. Two different blues have two shorthanded goals this season. Pavel Buchnevich is one of them. Who is the other? Reed, you said Robert Thomas. <sighs> Jamie, you said Robert Thomas. The correct answer is Alexei Torpchenko. Oh, wow. <laughs> So it's still 2-1 with two questions left to go. Question, I just lost my job. <laughs> <laughs> Question number two. In the 2014 Olympics, TJ Oshie's memorable shootout performance was against which Russian goaltender? Reed, you said Sergei Bobrovsky. Oh, come on. <laughs> Jamie, you said Sergei Bobrovsky. Correct answer is... Sergei Bobrovsky. But... Jamie did not use the options. Reed did. We are all tied up at three. Oh, my God. Final question. 
Drew Bannister played 164 games for four different teams in his NHL career. With which team did he play the most games? Jamie, you did not use the options. You said the Tampa Bay Lightning. Reed did use the options, and we do know that Tampa Bay is one of the options. Reed said it was the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim. <sighs> that was the other team. <laughs> Damn it. If it is the Tampa Bay Lightning, Jamie is our winner. If it is the Ducks of Anaheim, Reed is a gauntlet winner. If it is the Edmonton Oilers, we have a walk-off. The correct answer is... The Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, no! <laughs> Reed. You have chosen poorly. You lose. Oh, man. Reedo, good work, good job, buddy. Reed. Dude, that was sick. You Two days in a row, you got three questions right and both of the gauntlets. Uh, good job, my man. Good, good job, job, buddy. We're going to have you back here again sometime. You'll probably yeah. be hosting this show at some point. <laughs> well, I'll get the phone oh, yeah, call. Since Jamie doesn't know uh, question number four. Yeah, oh. I'll get the phone call from John Kioski and say, hey, Jamie, we've replaced you with a young man named Reed. He's coming in to take your, your job here. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, job, buddy. Reed. Good job, Reed. Good job. Go to bed, okay, would you? <laughs> <laughs> See you later, Reed. Good job, bud. All right, that was our guy, Reed. Man, he put up a good scrap, he did. didn't he? Mm. He did a good job. Two did days it again, in a row. Jamie. Yeah. I was uh, glad you didn't ask for the options on the uh, TJ Oshie question. Oh, yeah. There's well, too many consonants in those. Uh, oh, my God. Come on, Carol. You want to try Evgeny, again? Evgeny Nabovkov. Okay, that's good. Okay. I got that one. I was fine with that one. I was yeah, fine yeah. with uh, Sergey Bobrovsky. Yeah. I was fine with that. It was the Ilya Brizgalov. Oh. Way too many yeah. consonants <laughs> and not enough vowels. Briz Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> that guy, Daddy, yeah. they say goaltenders are weird. Oh. That guy uh-huh. is a weirdo oh. in the best way possible. He's got a great name. Oh, man, text line hates me even more. <laughs> I never, never rooted for a contestant more. Jamie's never been so disappointed oh. to win. That's true. Jamie's oh. still a jerk, but now he's a fair square jerk. There you go. <laughs> Every city needs a villain. Okay. <laughs> On that note, then fine. I'm just going to pack up my lunch and leave, okay? You're out of here. I'm out of here. I'm going to be going downtown right now. To get on the Bally's broadcast tonight for the Blues game against the Dallas Stars. Handing the ball off to Kerry Davis. He's going to drive the bus the rest of the way. And we're going to drag in Brad Thompson. We're going to wake him up from his nap here. <laughs> He's going to be with us from 4 to 6. So coming up next here in the fast lane, will innings equate to wins for the Cardinals this season? we got the right guy BT coming at us after this too here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. to the fast lane is Kerry Davis joined by Andrew Marsh and our great friend Brad Thompson BT how you doing brother glad to have you on CD I am doing great my man how are you doing I am doing wonderful uh getting used to this it's uh it's a little different Oh, I got to tell you, there's a few things. One, okay. I'm pretty sure that you are excited that you're not going to have to wake up as early yes. as you've been waking up. <laughs> I am. Uh, 
two, uh, for those that don't watch on the YouTube channel, and shame on you, you might as well be watching and listening. Any way that, that the fast lane can get more ratings, you should be doing that in yes. every single facet. Uh, but getting used to the lighting in there is a little <laughs> bit of a change. I mean, disco lights, a little bit of everywhere. I don't know if Jamie has come through with the fog machine yet. He not said he's going to get one of those. I have not seen I've that al- just yet. I've also heard, Carrie, that they're not the best for all the uh, electrical equipment that we have in there. So maybe <laughs> maybe that is the reason. But I'm pumped up for you guys. Lighting up sometimes, or it gets a little staticky over there. For sure, for (laughs) sure. But I, I, I'm pumped up for you guys. It's already a a great show. But you you. three together are going to be fantastic. Uh, We're definitely looking forward to it. I have told a couple of people today. uh, Good morning. I'm so accustomed to being up (laughs) at 5 a.m. that just walking. Hey, good morning. It's 2:30, sir. No, get it together. But you know, it'd be fine. It'd come with it. So the Cardinals signed three starters this offseason. And the question that we have, BT, is will those will that will those innings that they are hopefully going to pitch, will those equate to wins for the Cardinals? What are your what, what do you thought about what the Cardinals did this offseason and, and how will that help them for the twenty twenty four season? Yeah, I think that the the biggest thing is I don't think that the picture is totally painted yet at this point. I don't think that I don't say that meaning I, I believe they'll add to the front end of the rotation, but I think that they'll they'll tinker with the bullpen a little bit, maybe a bench bat. So I mean, there are still there's a lot of variables, Kerry, as you know, that go into winning baseball. But certainly a starting rotation is a really important one. And just going off the premise, right, of the the innings pitch thing and does that equate to wins well you, you look back at last year of innings pitched for starting pitchers uh, and we'll just look at the top handful of teams or, or so the Seattle Mariners got the most innings out of their starters over 901 innings now they ended up falling short but they were in it they were in the thick of things they had some problems offensively uh, but they won 88 games and fell short in their division the Houston Astros as we know winning team the Philadelphia Phillies were third they uh, they a winning team playoff team the Minnesota Twins won their division the Toronto Blue Jays were were fifth it was a weird year for the Blue Jays and for them to actually be fifth with uh, with not having Alec Manoa is actually really shocking uh, to me. But they won 89 games, uh, so that that put them right there in the thick of things. Then you've got the Orioles, the Brewers, and then the Rangers. So I mean, those are your top eight teams. The Orioles won 101 games. The Brewers won the NL Central, and the Rangers won the World Series. So it, it's not the only variable, but I say yes. Starting pitching and innings out of your starters equates to winning baseball. I think that math adds up, Kerry, and it's fairly obvious, right? Your starters are out there longer. Generally, they're doing Hopefully. pretty well. Yeah, yeah. That's, well, the hope is the hope is that they are, are doing well. But uh, I, I, uh, I've talked about it. I like the moves. Like everybody else, yeah. I would have I'd have been fine with uh, Bill DeWitt saying, Yamamoto, here's $400 million. We like you more. I know the travel's tough into, into Lambert, so we'll give, you a little bit, we'll give you a little bit more cheddar if you need it. Right. Or the idea of, of Blake Snell or, or whoever, and certainly still some pieces out on the trade market. I know we'll get into that maybe a little bit later. But uh, I like the moves. I love the Sonny Gray move. And I like certainty, man. And that is something that bringing in Gibson, bringing in Lynn, it provides. 
instead of like, I don't know, is this guy going to give me four? And then I'm going to have to go to the bullpen, and then those guys are going to have to eat up a lot of innings. But I am I, I am interested as as it's gotten all put together, and it was it was uh, hot and heavy early in the yeah. offseason for the Cardinals. They signed all these guys within a handful of days. Where did you land with it, man? How, how did you I, feel about the pickups? I was excited about it. I mean, we we talked about, you know, the rotation and, and really, the, you know, starting pitching in, in the bullpen was – one of the main concerns all season long, the number of blown saves, uh, the number of innings pitched or not being pitched, and just not enough uh, from your starters. And I think that was one of the issues. And and we heard Mosellock talk about it. We're They were planning on getting three starters. And I think, you know, Cardinal fans, obviously when you say we're going to get three starters, you <laughs> oh, let's get Shohei, uh, Aaron Nola, and, and Yamamoto. <laughs> that, well, what are we doing? That That's the expectation. Um, but I do like what they did. I, I You know, Miles Michaelis hopefully has a bounce back year. He was uh, up there in number of innings pitched, so that was that's good. And just having more people that are able to be able and ready and willing to do their job on a consistent basis from this starting rotation I think will be good. The question that I have, other than the starting pitch, and obviously they went out and, and got that rectified to a degree, number one, do you think that they're done with that or do you think there's still room for maybe a, a, a player in the trade market? And number two, bullpen. Like, again, we talked about the blown yeah. saves. That was something that – you got your pitchers that get you to that point, but you were not able to finish it. So how do you how do you fix that situation as well? Yeah, I think uh, to answer the first part, right? Are, are they done? I think they're done via free agency. I okay. just don't see them going out there spending a ton more money on a starting pitcher. So Blake uh, Snell I mean, is out. Yeah, oh, I mean Blake Snell is so far out, Terry. <laughs> uh, that uh, he's not even he's not welcome in Missouri okay. at this point. He's, right. he's so far out. I, I don't. Th- I think I could end up being wrong on that one, but I'm pretty sure that he's that far out. And I do think, by the way, whenever Blake Snell signs, wherever it is, I think that we're going to look back at that deal and assuming that he gets like seven years because the market is is dictating that. I don't think that the last few years are going to look so good for him. Does he help you right here, right now? Yeah, but that might end up biting a franchise at the end of it we'll find out when it comes to Snell I think that there's always room I think their job is to continually being uh, continue to listen continue to make phone calls and to tinker with the roster Um, so I don't think that anything is out of play and there are a lot of different rumors that have been out there for different starting pitchers but I I wouldn't be surprised if this is your five come opening day. I think that this is the group that you got your young guys that end up providing depth or carry. Mm-hmm. They might end up being a piece of your bullpen like right. you were just asking about. Maybe it's Zach Thompson who emerges as a piece in that bullpen that you really like. One guy that I, I truly believe will have a big bounce back season in the pen is Giovanni Gallegos. Yeah. That was one of the biggest issues this year is just he struggled. I mean, he, he had his issues and then obviously it came to light even more after you end up trading Jordan Hicks. Right. You trade away Chris Stratton as well to the eventual uh, World Series champion Rangers and I know that Chris Stratton not a big name necessarily mm-hmm. he held a big role yes. Yes, he in did. that bullpen <laughs> dude you you need an everyday guy the yep. salty vet where it's just like you know you don't even have to ask him hey you good to go Taking like, the ball. Yes, he's good. <laughs> yeah he's good to go you know that he's going to be able to to be there and do that so I, I think that having another piece like that is going to be important um, because I, and I was a little surprised when I saw this the other day, just looking at, at numbers uh, who led the Cardinals in appearances last year. It was Andre Pallante wow. was the, the guy that led you. And he, he didn't have the best year. Mm-hmm. He'd have some good times and some bad times, just so much inconsistency. 
But one of the biggest keys, as you alluded to, Kerry, is the fact that when you're getting innings out of your starters, you're not asking the same guys to answer the bell over and over again right. and not heaping the pressure on that bullpen to cover a lot of innings. I thought that they did a very good job uh, staff-wise. They didn't abuse anybody. Mm-hmm. It's not like the one guy I just mentioned. Palante led yeah. with, with uh, outings. He had 62 games. It's not like they, they beat up anybody, um, uh, but I, I think that they still had to, in not doing so, they had to heap innings on players that maybe weren't ready for those innings. So yeah. some more proven commodities in that bullpen I think would be very beneficial. And obviously for a lot of these guys, and Pallante is a good example of this, just that another year of work under his belt – that's going to help out too, but I don't think that it. I'll just stick with with him. Looking at the structure of the the bullpen, I think that he is a guy that should go in, and you've got his name in the bullpen, and you've got it in pencil, and he's got a chance to sharpie it in. Yeah. But I I, I hope that there is enough competition in that bullpen where. Guys really have to fight for jobs. Kerry, you've been through yeah. training camps, yep. man. You fought for your life, in, in, and I mean that obviously in a sports <laughs> sense. <laughs> right. But you, Literally you have as done well, that. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> never know what you get into. There you go. <laughs> like those are the those are the things in in spring training that make uh, make teams. I think very competitive and get the best out of guys. I want to see that for this yeah. team. I, I, I definitely agree with that. I think one of the issues that the Cardinals had was the lack of flexibility last year with the bullpen, not being able to move guys mm-hmm. around. So I want to see some of those younger guys get some opportunities as well. You know, coming up, see what they're able to do in spring training. Maybe a Graceffo, a McGreevy, Tink Hints. I want to see, we've been hearing about these guys. Are, are they going to be in spring training and will they have a real opportunity to find themselves on the roster for 24? Yeah, it's a great question. Now, all those guys uh, will likely be there. Uh, we, we saw all of them you know, a year ago in spring training. The guy that I, I think that has a legit chance of breaking with this club in the bullpen and things can change quickly, you can just get, have a hot arm, great spring. Uh, but a, a guy that I've heard a lot about internally that they like and they can see him in the pen and maybe he starts in the pen mm-hmm. and goes into the rotation a little bit later is uh, Gordon Graceffo. Okay. I think that he is he is close enough. Uh, it would be a huge shock to me if Tink Hens ended up making that jump. I think there's still a lot of polishing yet to be done uh, for the young Tink Hens. But if, as – it should be. He's like 20 years old, right. so you don't expect him to be a totally finished product. Uh, but yeah, I think that there will be opportunity for those guys, and you're right, man. That was an enormous problem last year. One is just the way that the bullpen was structured. You didn't have options on a lot of your pitchers, so these guys, you were just kind of stuck short in your bullpen sometimes. It's a crappy job, as I very well know, being like the odd man, like that last yeah. guy hanging on the <laughs> roster who had has options yeah. so it's like oh you did it hey Frank great job <laughs> three innings of relief that was fantastic you know what that buys you a trip to Memphis enjoy Beale Street so like that sucks but yeah. that's necessary if you want to win a championship you want to compete for your division you want to go out there and give yourself the best opportunity you have to have roster flexibility right. and that's something that they're going to need more of indeed that's BT I'm Kerry the regular season for the NFL is a few weeks away from ending We'll go into our Super Bowl pretender or contender. That's next on the Fast Lane. <laughs> We're right back to the Fast Lane podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
back to the Fast Lane. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by BT and Andrew Marsh. And Marshy, it is time for Super Bowl contender or pretender. I got I, real quick, over under two or three times, two times of me saying the Fast Lane at some point before we get out of here. Mm. I th- I, I'm over. sorry. No, you oh, the opening drive. drive. Opening the drive. Opening drive. Yeah, because I almost said yeah, it on the I'll, way out. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'll take the over, Kerry. <laughs> I definitely <laughs> would agree with you. I've got to focus and lock in. All right, Marshy. Super Bowl pretender or contender? What All right, got? here we go. We'll start off with the Buffalo Bills, who are making a push late in the season. Contender or pretender? Kerry, I got to go. Like This year, more so than maybe any other, there is so much parity. There have yeah. been teams that have changed so much throughout the year. And the Bills were one that we came into the season with Super Bowl expectations for. Now, boy, they took those expectations and they just uh, dumped all over them. Yes, they did. But, but they're showing some signs of life. I think that with Allen, with a, they got a talented roster, even though they've been bit by some injuries. I still think that this team is a contender with what he can do with the ball. I I want to say pretender, but. If they get in and they, they're still, you know, not solidified with the spot, they they got to win a few more games here at the end. If they get in, they are probably one of the scariest teams because of all of the talent that they do have. Now, losing Tredavious White earlier in the year, Matt Milano uh, at the at the linebacker position, that kind of set them back at one point during the season, and you could tell that they were struggling to find their identity again. But they are a team that has made a conscious decision to run the football. And I was telling Marsh and, and Jamie earlier, when you run the football in the playoffs, you probably are going to win games. And if they decide to run the football with their actual running back and not their quarterback, which they've been doing lately, uh, they're finding ways to be successful. They are the scariest team for me. So I'm going to say contender if they get in and, and you know, I think they'll make a, a run there in the playoffs. Let's look at a team that has been struggling. They did pick up a win, although it was against the New York football giants. The Philadelphia Eagles, are they a Super Bowl contender or pretender? I'm going to say the same thing. I I mean, I think they're a contender. I love what they do. Their offense has been putrid, I think would be a, a nice way of putting it. It has been stagnant all season, choppy for whatever reason. Uh, but they're another team. They they need to run the football consistently. And DeAndre Swift is a difference maker. Kenneth Gainwell is a difference maker. You got to get those guys the ball. And I know they ran it pretty well uh, against the Giants the other day, but even more. I'm greedy. I want, I want my running backs to get more carries, more opportunities, uh, and take some of that pressure off Jalen Hurts. So I, I'm going to say contender for them. Where are you at with Jalen Hurts right now? Do you think uh, How healthy do you think he is? I think he's healthy. I yeah. think that for so what I how I feel about it is I love AJ Brown. I, I love his game. I love what he does, but I don't love the need for chirping or always wanting the football. And and I get it. Receivers I was talking to one of my friends about that. Literally, receivers walk around with blinders on. They don't see anything outside of what's in front of them. They don't care. So a receiver wants the ball every play. You can get it to him three times in a row. Why didn't you get it to me four times? That's A.J. Brown. But it makes it difficult for a quarterback when he has to solely focus on you as much as I feel like Jalen Hurts does. So I think that's kind of what the the, the dilemma is. Devontae Smith is a hell of a receiver on the other side. Dallas Goddard is a hell of a tight end. Get him the ball. But when when you have to focus so much 
on A.J. Brown because if not, he's going to be upset. I think that makes Jalen Hurts, it makes it a little bit harder for him to be as successful as he needs to be. Yeah, you know how it is. Closed mouths don't get fed. Indeed. (laughs) (laughs) Let's stay within the NFC. I'm looking at a team that is sixth right now in the playoffs. That is the Los Angeles Rams, Super Bowl contender or pretender. Hey, I am, uh, and I don't like it. I'm going contender right now. Matt Stafford's playing. He's playing as good a football as, like, it's just, like, under the radar. But he's playing as good a football as he ever has in his career right now. Uh, I I know that it's, uh, uh, like, Puka Nakua didn't come in as everybody thought that he was going to be the guy. But all of a sudden, like, you look at some of the numbers that, that he is putting up. And to me, Kerry, this is less about the Rams overall, but it's more about the topsy-turvy nature of pretty much everybody else. I think if they get in, they can bite you, and I think that legitimately you could look up and see them playing in a a championship game, and who knows, man, they might have the talent on that side of the ball to win it. I'm going to say pretender. Randy Carricker and I, before the season started, we kind of, well, either Randy and I or and Anthony and I, we went down the the uh, Los Angeles Rams defense. And it was kind of like the movie Major League when the fans were like, who the hell are these guys? <laughs> this guy's dead. <laughs> this guy's dead. We didn't know any other names other than Aaron Donald. So the fact that they are even in this conversation speaks volumes to what they've been able to do. But I just don't think that they're good enough to to make a run or make a push on the NFC side in the playoffs, especially with the teams that are sitting there ahead of them. Very controversial team in the AFC, the Kansas City Chiefs, who were the Super Bowl winners last year. Can they do it again this season, or are they a pretender? I don't know. Gary. <laughs> so generally, this goes down with the uh, – I, I, I look at – Who's got the Who's got the best player on the field? Yeah, any field that Patrick Mahomes is on, he is the best player on the field. Generally, yeah, he looks like he's got his soul sucked out <laughs> at this point. Like, not in the hey, way you don't you, you don't me not yeah. that not not the good way. Um, <laughs> you know that I am a huge uh, uh, Vegas Raiders fan, okay? Yeah. Didn't expect that. Didn't 62 expect passing to see. yards. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Hey, know what works, right? Yeah. They didn't complete a pass after the first quarter. It was that- ridiculous, man. <laughs> that was ridiculous. I had Devontae Adams. I'm just like, bro, throw, throw. he's on my fantasy team. Throw him the ball. Mm. Give him a chance. Come on. No, it was bad. Yeah. Yeah, it, no, it was bad. About that. Yeah. I think this team is a pretender this year. Look, I, I am going the opposite direction. I usually say, look, if you got that guy, you got yeah. a chance. That guy's not that guy right I, now. They got too many issues. He's checked down Charlie, and even that's not working. The issue, the biggest issue that they have is he can't throw it and catch it. Like, that's the main issue. They they have problems catching the football in Kansas City and have had that problem pretty much all season long. Kadarius Tony didn't even play last game because he's dropped so many passes over the entire season that they said, you know, you're better off just watching the game. So I, I am I am with you, BT. They they are to me a pretender. I was telling these guys earlier, if they want to have success, they need to run the ball as well because dropping back and throwing the ball with Patrick Mahomes that many times, Rasheed Rice, trust him. Travis Kelsey, trust him. Nobody else. And that's just not enough to be successful right now. 
Well, Andy Reid is a very smart offensive mind, right? Why hasn't he done more of that, Kerry? Because to your point, Patrick Mahomes has thrown the ball more than anybody in the NFL, the most pass attempts, obviously the most drop passes as well. It is interesting, though, the drop pass rate is only the 13th highest in the NFL. So it just kind of tells you how much he slings it around. (laughs) But, like, why isn't Andy Reid making these adjustments? Is Is it part of the ego of the quarterback, too? Like, hey, you have to be able to massage this too well it's Mm. a stubborn it's stubbornness right it's the belief that we'll get it together because we have and you have proof of it they've done it throughout throughout his entire tenure throughout Patrick Mahomes entire tenure it figures itself out it corrects itself but it just has not corrected itself yet this year and I told them if they don't run the football they will be ousted I think pretty early in the playoffs we got one more uh yep last one here this team for some reason, they just can't win on the road against an actual good football team, and that would be the Dallas Cowboys. Are they a contender or pretender? <laughs> pretender, man. For the last 30 years, what are we talking about? <laughs> Next. <laughs> no, I don't believe in the Dallas Cowboys. I don't trust the Dallas Cowboys. They are another team again. You, you'll notice a theme with me, Marshy and BT. I, I, I played running back, mm-hmm. and I understand. I played running back in the city of Pittsburgh, fullback run the football and play defense. They got rid of Ezekiel Elliott. Mm-hmm. They thought he was past his prime. Ezekiel Elliott is still hurtling people in New England. Yeah. And Tony Pollard can't score from the one-yard line. That's problematic for that team. And so, yeah, pretender. Dak is 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 Dak. He's going to do what Dak does. CeeDee Lamb, love him. Oh, Michael Parsons, get after the quarterback. Oh, awesome. Mm-hmm. They're not going to make it. No. Kerry, I want to play with that team on Madden. I don't want to be rooting for them in real life. That's kind of where I'm at with the Cowboys. I I am in agreement. They're just a team that at some point they're going to fold. Mike McCarthy has done a better job of game management and taking care of the business in in that way. But all in all, they still are not good enough, in my opinion, to to have a successful run here in the playoffs. And I just don't see it happening. Is that what we got? That's BT. I'm Kerry. Coming up next, we talk to our great friend, the Blues, are taking on the Dallas Stars tonight. Puck will drop at 7 p.m. We'll talk to our friend JR, Jeremy Rutherford, and get his takes on what the Blues have been looking like and what we can look forward to tonight. That's next on the Fast Lane. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Notes and Nuggets. It's time for the Rutherford Report with our Blues Insider, Jeremy Rutherford. Brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite Contractor. Welcome back to the Fast Lane. It's Kerry Davis joined by Brad Thompson and Andrew Marsh. And we go to the celebrity line and visit with our great friend, writer for The Athletic, Jeremy Rutherford. JR, how you doing, brother? Well, I didn't block a shot with my face like Alexei Torpchenko did the other night, <laughs> so I'm doing pretty well. That, you're doing much better, obviously. I, I, JR, you know this. I tell people that hockey players are much tougher than football players because of that reason. I'm not taking a slap shot to the face, ever. I've heard you say that before, yeah, and that really does mean something to me because uh, I've seen you lay a couple licks on people, and uh, I would not have wanted to be on the receiving yeah, end of those. So I don't want to be. I don't want to be on the receiving end of a hundred mile per hour puck. Doesn't <laughs> doesn't, doesn't sound very thrilling to me. Uh, Jr. Uh, the the Blues take on the Stars tonight, uh, having some success under Drew Bannister. What what have you seen from this team since the coaching change, and and can we expect it to continue? 
Yeah, Kerry, it's a great question. Four and one so far under uh, Drew Bannister, and we talked to Doug Armstrong briefly this morning about uh, what he's seen in these first five games, and and he said, hey, you got to like the record. Uh, there's been some definite positive in what we've seen with the group, and there's been some negative. I think the positive is that they're they're playing on their toes. They look like they're uh, for the most part, most of the the four games out of five, uh, good starts. Uh, they've come back in a couple games, something they haven't done all season. Uh, third period comeback against Chicago. I mean, you can't script that any better. Down five two uh, in the third period, come back and win that game. That was a great send off to the break. But there are some negatives. I mean, you put yourself in that five two hole uh, with some sloppy play in the first two periods against Chicago. Um, and then lastly, I'll bring up the power play. I think it's, what, four for 12 under Bannister, so a few more goals than the Blues have scored on the power play all year. So that unit, after just five games, is starting to look a little bit better. So like Armstrong said, some positive, some negative. As you, Jr. as you've covered Bannister now, what is the, like, what is the biggest difference to you between him and Army, or, or what things just kind of stand out to you about the way that he goes about it? Because obviously you don't make a change unless you want something different there. Yeah, I think just that uh, the, the Blues kind of, and Armstrong knew this after the uh, off season when they tried to trade Tory Krug and and he exercised his uh, his veto power on that deal. That it's just going to be hard to change the roster, and maybe he'll try again this off season. But in the meantime, his only option there was to change the coach, and so he brings in Drew Bannister. Here's a guy who's never coached in the NHL, BT, but he played in the NHL briefly about 160 games. Uh, but like Braden Shen said when he presented Drew Bannister with the puck after that first victory against Ottawa in Drew's first game, he said this is a guy who's been here 12 years coaching in the, in the minor leagues and in the junior hockey leagues to get to this point. So he's put in his time. And I think when he comes in, you question what kind of accountability can he provide for the veterans? He, he's got a great relationship with the 11 guys from Springfield that are on the team but what about the Braden Chens, the Justin Fox, the Tory Krugs, the Pavel Buchnevichs? Well, what did we see? We saw him bench Buchnevich with about 12 minutes to go in that game a few games ago in Tampa Bay. And so Doug Armstrong talked about that today. He said, man, if you can have that accountability at the top of your lineup, it really does uh, trickle down to the rest of the guys. So not that Craig Bruby didn't have uh, accountability in that room. We all know he won a Stanley Cup because that's the type of coach he is. But for whatever reason, it's it's uh, it's abundant right now as Drew Bannister comes in and tries to grab a hold of this team. JR, you wrote an article today about Drew Bannister and his family life and the sacrifice to get to the NHL. What, what did you learn about him uh, through this piece? Well, I learned that his wife is a coach too, and and not when I say coach, it's, it's not she's just sitting on the bench, you know, watching uh, the teams in Thunder Bay play hockey. She's an X's and O's guru, and so when you find a successful person like you do in Drew Bannister, there's usually successful people. Uh, in the background, and in this case, it's his wife, Katie Bannister. She grew up playing a little hockey, coached some hockey in college, and uh, so the sacrifices that Drew made is the biggest thing that I learned. Uh, back home in Thunder Bay, Ontario, is where, is where his wife and three daughters, uh, you got daughters age 13, 11, and 8, they all live, and they made that decision about eight years ago to have that uh, foundation in Thunder Bay for the family to live. Meanwhile, Drew was bouncing around. He was in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. He went to the Blues affiliate in San Antonio. Then he went to Springfield, Massachusetts, and he did that without his family. So he's put in a lot of days watching live barn video of his daughters back home in in, uh, Thunder Bay, a lot of phone calls, a lot of FaceTime. He was able to see them guys on Sunday in Springfield, Massachusetts for the first time since September 
They sent me a picture of the big hug that the family had at the airport, and they are going to be in attendance tonight, Katie, his wife, and his three daughters. You have Bryn, you have Tatum, and you have Emery. They'll be wearing the Bannister jerseys, sitting in the lower bowl tonight, watching their dad coach his first NHL game. Uh, I suggest everybody read the piece at The Athletic. It's something, JR, that we, we forget too much about. We forget about the human element oftentimes and the sacrifices that are in there, not just for, for Drew, but obviously for uh, his wife, for his kids. It, it is uh, an outstanding piece. Could you imagine some of the phone calls that he gets from his wife after the game breaking down the X's and O's? Like, hey, why'd you do this? Why'd you put this guy on this line? Like, that is a whole different conversation than my wife's like, ah, it didn't go well tonight, huh? <laughs> You're you're exactly right, Brad. And I did talk to uh, Katie Bannister about that. And I said, so what are these phone calls like? And she said, Jeremy, look, I, I love the game and I'm not afraid to voice my opinion. So when he calls after the game and says, hey, what did you think? I tell him, well, this guy's got bad mannerisms. This guy can't do much with his backhand. Where was your F2? Was your, where was your forward getting into the zone? And she said that sometimes Drew will say, uh, okay, yeah, I agree with you, but sometimes he's like, no, I made the decision, and I think I was right. So those are definitely oh. some different uh, conversations. <laughs> we need more details on he's that not, goes. He's not right. <laughs> You're never right. Ever. What are we doing here? <laughs> JR, the, uh, the the World Championships, the Junior Championships are taking place, and the Blues have a few players playing in those. Jamie was very proud because Canada was beating uh, Latvia 10 to nothing last time we checked. The Blues have a few players that are currently on some rosters. What, what did Army say about uh, those young players that are that are playing in World Juniors? Yeah, but first, can we take it easy on Latvia? Come uh, on, he was, like, he was uh, excited. He, he was proud. He, he's a proud Canadian. <laughs> yeah, did they do a running clock at the end of that game? I, I would on, hope so. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. No, like I said, we did have a chance to talk to Doug Armstrong today. He actually leaves for Gothenburg, Sweden tomorrow to get to that tournament and watch the Blues prospects play. Kerry, Brad, they have seven of them. That's a big number. Usually the Blues, uh, most teams in the NHL, if you got two or three, that's a good year uh, to watch your prospects in that tournament. But the Blues have a seven of them that's tied with Buffalo and Arizona for the most prospects at the tournament. Uh, you're, you're looking at names like Dalibor Dvorsky, the number 10 overall pick last year. You're also looking at Jimmy Snuggerud, who's the sophomore at University of Minnesota, who could be in a Blues uniform at the end of this season. So seven of them to watch. I believe five of them are 18-year-olds from last year's draft, five of the seven. So those are guys who could go back to this tournament next year. Uh, it's a lot of promise for the Blues' future. You know, they, they made some trades. They got some draft picks. They used them on some players. And now this is kind of confirmation that these guys can play the fact that they're in this tournament. JR, is the, is the hope that, I mean, you're talking about all these prospects. They're on the biggest stage. They're getting uh, incredible just experience doing this. But is this, this is how they want to be built, right? It's the guys they draft, they develop. It's the next level of Thomas and Cairo that they sign to these multi-year deals. Is the, the farm system as strong as, uh, as they want it to be right now? Are they in a good spot overall when you're looking at the future? Yeah, I think so. And this tournament is a good indication. You know, people who maybe aren't as familiar with the tournament, okay, well, what does this mean? You know, this is the world's best junior tournament. And this is a tournament where Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas went up and won a gold medal uh, with Team Canada. So the fact that you have seven of them says a lot. It doesn't mean that they're all going to turn into NHL players. And the one thing, Brad, that Doug Armstrong did say today, he, he's been traveling a lot the last year or two. This is his second trip to Sweden. He's already been to Sweden this year to watch a lot of the the prospects. The one thing he said is the Blues do have a lot of forwards in the system coming up through the pipeline, not a lot of defensemen. So he wants to see these guys play. He wants to see if there's some trade chips maybe he can move 
one of these forwards or two, uh, to bring in a, a top defenseman. I think the Blues, prospect-wise, might have some six, seven guys. You look at Perinovich, uh, Tyler Tucker, those types of guys. They probably need to add a prospect who can play top four down the road. Maybe they can use a, a forward or two to make a trade to make that happen. Blues face the Dallas Stars tonight at 7 p.m. Puck drops, and uh, we'll be talking to you next week, Jr. and have some more insight on the Bannisters and the Blues. Hopefully they can keep this, this role going the way they have because uh, it's better when they're winning than when they're losing. Yeah, and a, and a lesson for Drew. Uh, you're, you're right, honey. You're right. I should have <laughs> thought of that. You're right. Indeed. He'll figure it out soon enough. <laughs> Appreciate you, Jr. All right, see you guys. That was Jeremy Rutherford joining us. And uh, JR is awesome, man. I love JR. He's always got great insight, and he's funny as hell. He is. He's fantastic. And the piece that he wrote at The Athletic about the family is really, really good. It's just kind of insightful. We, we're always locked in on the day-to-day. Yeah, you, you, you don't realize how much time is taken away from families when you are in the role that you're in or when you're a coach, when you have to be on the road so often and how much you miss – because you're you're so focused on the the here and now with the athletics, but with the sports part of it, but the family part of it is what really helps you keep going day to day. Yeah, if you don't have a rock at home, <laughs> if you don't have somebody that that is is truly like allowing you and, and helping yes. you to do what you want to do, then it, it doesn't work. So it takes a lot of effort. Obviously, the Bannister family has that part of it figured out. And wish him all the luck in the world, man. Uh, like I I didn't get to hear your take, Carrie, on, on them letting go of Craig Berube. I wasn't a fan. Yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't. I don't like think it. anyone was. Most of St. Louis uh, didn't seem to be a fan. Um, uh, at least one player seemed to like it, but it was it was one where uh, it happened, right? You want the next guy to succeed. You want, you want that guy. By the way, that player, whoever he is, has four goals, four assists in the last five games. But uh, coincidence. Yeah, but you want him. You want him to go out there and succeed. So yeah. so far, so good for Drew Bannister. Yeah, hopefully the Blues can keep their hot streak going. Winners of four of their last five. We'll see what they're able to do tonight. Coming up, we have the Sports Six Pack. That's next on the Fast Lane. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the fast lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer the question. Answer the question. Answer me. The sports six pack is now. Welcome back to the fast lane. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brad Thompson and Andrew Marsh. It's time for the sports six pack. What you got, brother? Question number one. All right, this one comes from the 314. What is more likely to happen? Steven Matz goes to the bullpen or he starts the year off in the rotation? Oh, more likely to happen? I I would say that he starts the year off in the rotation. That's where they would like him to be. That's where they slated him to be. (laughs) And that's where they signed him to a four-year, $44 million deal to be. So the only move that pushes him to the bullpen is you go out there and you make an impact trade. That I think that he would be the guy that would go to the pen. I think he'd have success there. Um, But, yeah, no, he'll start in the rotation. Is there any chance for any of those younger players to maybe have a great spring training and take over that fifth spot? 
I'd be surprised. Okay. Hey, Matt's, is, Matt's spring would have to be awful yeah. slash injured. If it's gotcha. injured, then it's then it's up to anybody. But I'd be very surprised if somebody pushed him out of a rotation spot. I think that they were encouraged. I think most fans were, too, even though it's it, – it's, I know it was a big money deal relatively. I guess now $11 million a year for a starter carry. That's a drop <laughs> in the bucket. Indeed. Uh, but it, he's been oft injured, so it's hard to like say anything good without getting pushback on Stephen Matz. But he was throwing the ball as well as we've seen him in a Cardinals uniform, like the six starts before he ended up getting hurt. And I think that they're encouraged by that and want to see a little bit more of that. Question number two. From the 217, which is more painful for Detroit fans watching the Lions go winless in years past or the Pistons now having the two longest losing streaks in NBA history? Uh, I'm going to have to go with 0-16 because mm. the, you know how hard it is to go 0-16. <laughs> 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 like, <laughs> Any given Sunday, Kerry, no, you know? It, it's, it's almost impossible because it's only been done one time. It, it's... That was a terrible year for the Detroit Lions. I had teammates. I had a teammate that that actually came over from the Lions after uh, going in, in in that 0-16, 0-16 team and won the Super Bowl with us the next year. And it was pretty different, I would assume, from from one year to the <laughs> next uh, for him. It, it's, I mean, losing twenty seven games in a row. Now that's not great. But to lose every, at least the, the Pistons have won two games this year. They have tasted victory at least twice. The Lions didn't win any. So losing 16 games for me would be unbearable. I would be a terrible teammate. Yeah, no, look, I, <laughs> I'm i with you on that. Like after about week six or seven, you're looking at some, boy, this isn't coming together. Yeah. But could you imagine going to the arena night in, night out, losing 27 in a I, row? No. Don't you just go on a heater one night? <laughs> like you're getting, there's a good chance you're not getting the opposition's best bolt every single time you're out there if you're the Pistons. How the hell do you not scrape one together? Well, well BT, Marcia and I were looking at a video. We were talking about a video earlier uh, this week that showed the Pistons in warm-ups <laughs> and they missed every shot. It was about 30 seconds <laughs> no, worth. So, so, I mean, I don't think that there are any heaters to be had there. It just doesn't feel like, and this is multiple people shooting. This is not one person shooting. It was, a, it was about eight guys. It was a bunch of shots missed. So that, that kind of explains Jerry? everything you need to know. You uh, you borrow the term oftentimes. You're either coaching it or you're allowing yeah, it. What is yeah. the, what is happening? Or that's all you have <sighs> on your roster? Is that well, just what it is? You know, that's probably all you got. And you got to go. I mean, what else can you do? Where are you going to get more NBA players from that are that are going to be better than what you have right now? I mean, I mean maybe you could actually open tryout. Yeah, I just thought about possibly. There's some people in Detroit walking the streets that could probably get a bucket or two. They'll they'll give you everything. They give you every bit of it. Question number three. All right, guys, from the three one four. What is worse, Jack Jones of the Oakland Raiders of beat? I'm sorry, the Oakland Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders, BT's Las Vegas Raiders, giving the ball to a kid and then taking it away from him. Or Pete Alonzo throwing Mason Wynn's first hit ball into the stands. What is worse? You, you, you. Oh, the, the, <laughs> having a child involved, like giving it to a kid and a taking child. it back. Yeah, that's bad. That is, that's a, that one's probably the worst one. Pete Alonzo is a big, dumb animal, it seems like. <laughs> 
and he I know he said afterwards like boy I didn't even know <laughs> he knew like I mean, you had to you had to know but I'm gonna go with uh, the the Jack Jones uh, and I, I'm sure I don't have the the whole story on that but come on you you gonna pull a, a full-on Grinch there on the kid not cool so I'm torn because the, he, he, the young man looked to have Kansas City Chiefs gear on. And I think that as a young person, you have to learn valuable lessons in life. And mm-hmm. I'm all for it. <laughs> so sometimes in life, you have to be given something or thought you were going to receive something and then have it taken away. That, that's the only way you learn your core principles in life and, and you become a better person because of it. Because life isn't fair. It ain't fair. And to learn that at this kid's, what, eight? To learn it at six to eight years old is much better than learning it at 26 or 28 years old, right? He will remember that for the rest of his life. I, you know what? <laughs> Carrie, the way that you laid that out is perfect. <laughs> I think that is that is great. It's like There are consequences to your action. There you go. Your action was to wear that jersey, and... represent your team, and uh, look, their job is to beat your team and – Ah, I, it's still bad. I mean, it's still a kid. It is. On Christmas, nonetheless. Mm. I think so. Jack Jones did tweet out that there was a guy that was yeah. s- sitting behind the kid who tried to reach for the I ball. That's that. why he took yeah. it away. He then also posted a picture of him with the Grinch on his face <laughs> and posted it on Instagram, which I found to be hilarious. So. Even better. Yep. So I did it. It is what it is. Question number four. All right, this question comes from the 314. Carrie, what is one team in the NFL that you would have liked to play for? And I'll even open up that question to you, BT. Which MLB team w- uh, would you have wished you played for? Like, uh, just another team. Not, well, not taken away from the Steelers or no, the Cards or the it, Royals. It, there are two teams. Uh, it would have been it would have been the 49ers because I grew up a huge mm-hmm. 49ers fan. Roger Craig, Tom Rathman, you know, it, it, Jerry Rice, obviously. Those guys were outstanding to me uh but i would have loved to play for the rams i would have loved to be able to come here and play in the city where i'm from and now it would have been a headache because i played one game here and had to buy 45 tickets but (laughs) (laughs) i would have loved playing here eight times a year uh in front of my family and friends and been able to do that I think that's great. I mean, that's there's nothing better, I'm sure, than getting an opportunity to play in your hometown. As you know, growing yep. up in, in Las Vegas, now it's a, a booming sports city, mm-hmm. uh, but it wasn't when I was growing up. So it never, never had that opportunity. And some young kid who grew up in Vegas will have that opportunity soon with the A's coming that way. Uh, mine would be, if I, if I had to pick one, another iconic franchise. It's not the Yankees, though. It's the Dodgers. I okay. think that, and again, West Coast guy, right, uh, growing up in Vegas. Vegas, L.A. was four hours away, you know, the closest team to uh, to you. And I just – there's something about that place, something about uh, going into Chavez Ravine. It's not in a nice neighborhood. The stadium is old, but the place just rocks. Uh, I, uh, I I think that is the one, if I had to pick another one. According to Ben Verlander, Shohei was the uh, greatest signing in Dodgers history. You could have oh. been hanging with him. I guess he, he just forgot uh, yeah, about one, Jackie Robinson. Maybe one yeah. or something. <laughs> That was intriguing. Yeah. That's hard to beat. The, you know, hard to beat that. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> oh my gosh! I saw that on Twitter, and I was like, "What are you talking about?" Justin looking at him like, "Man, what are you doing?" Say, so, "Hey, you, you still have time to fix that." You can... <laughs> well, you say that something edit? like that. It's yeah. like, ah, you kind of got to roll. You got to roll, roll with it. Yeah. Double down. Don't don't you know, back some, out. 
Do you ever do something? I've done this plenty of times. Like where I say something and then somebody brings up like a point that is like so valid. Yeah. You're like, well, what's done is done. Like I I did this. This is my stance now. And I'm, I'm going to live with these consequences. I'm here now. I, I, it is what it is. I made the decision. I'm standing by it. This is a wrong and dumbass decision, but he's, he's sticking with it, it seems. It is what it is. That's BT. I'm Gary. Coming up next, we have What's Trending on the Fastlane. That's what I want We're right back to the Fastlane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time to find out what's going on in the sports world with What's Trending Now. Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate a car and get tickets to the St. Louis Cardinals. Welcome back to the Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. Kerry Davis, Brad Thompson, I'm Andrew Marsh. It's time for What's Trending. And gentlemen, Jair Alexander of the Green Bay Packers has been suspended Three days after he anointed himself as one of the Green Bay Packers captains, and then he made what Matt LaFleur called a big mistake. He nearly botched the call after winning the coin toss. They said the conduct was detrimental to the team. BT, I don't know if you saw what happened. We talked about this in the office, but... Jair Alexander, once they won the toss, instead of saying right away, we want to defer and give the ball to uh, who who were they playing again? It was uh, the Panthers. Give the ball to the Panthers, start off the game and get the ball back in the second half. He said, we want to go on defense, which would mean that they would give the ball to the Panthers, but also not receive the ball in the second second half. half. And now he's being suspended. What are you guys thoughts on that? Uh, He, there's probably a reason he was never at the coin toss before. Uh, Probably not trusted. I, I think it's weird. Yeah, it's it is selfish, and I think I saw that the reason he wanted to do that is because he's from Carolina. So, I guess he wanted to be out there for that. I think that's a conversation that you have with the coach and your team prior to actually just going out there on your own. Be yeah, my, you don't my, do that. Yeah, like, nah, you shouldn't do that. There is no scenario where you just take that <laughs> in your own hands, especially if you have no idea what you're supposed to say or do. Uh, like that, that is no clue. That is the dumbest damn thing maybe I have ever heard. Uh, We've been, I, I, been yeah, around sports for a long time, and I don't think I've ever heard that. No. Like, what? what? I, I imagine when he's walking out there, people are like, what, what is he doing? You just assume that he got clearance from the coach that he can go ahead and go do that. And then you realize he has no earthly idea of what he's doing or he, whether or not he should be deferring or receiving. He, he doesn't know anything. Yeah, look, I'd, uh, not to not to make light of head injuries, okay, but I'd like to. <laughs> I'd rather have heard that he took a shot right before the the game started and like he just wandered oh. out there. That would make a little bit more sense than what he did. Yeah, that wasn't a good decision. Uh, and he's facing the punishment for him. But he only got suspended for three days. So, just, did they say three days or did they say a, a game, game, right? Yeah, yeah. I think one, yeah. Is it one game. Which okay. is interesting because their season is on in, the in, line. Yeah. On yeah. the line. They're taking on Minnesota. In the past, Jair Alexander has said whether or not you believe he did this or not that he's locked up Justin Jefferson. So, it's interesting to, to see that happen with Green Bay having their season on the line next week. Sunday night football, a big matchup. So it re- I think to me it shows how much they value him 
on the field at this point yeah. in the season. Yeah, so. it was a, it's a dumb decision, though. Didn't do that. Uh, sticking with the NFL, perhaps not a dumb decision. We talked about this earlier in the show. BT, want to get your thoughts on Mr. 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 Unlimited. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Russell Wilson. <laughs> Boy. Being benched. What are your thoughts, BT? Well, look, the fact that we've gotten here with Russell Wilson when he's in like the first or second year of this uh, this deal that he's got, um, that they're worried about a $37 million guarantee if he gets hurt. It's uh, it's crazy how things have fallen off to this point. I don't know if we should blame Mr. Unlimited. As soon as that happened, or uh, Sierra, or or <laughs> did did everything just just fall apart for him? But it's crazy that the Broncos went out there. They for the longest time they just they they've never been able to get that position right. And Kerry, damn it, they thought they had their guy. It's yeah, like, certainly. We're gonna go get Russell Wilson. We're gonna spend big money, and it's gonna work. And then it doesn't work at all. Even as you bring Sean Payton in. I don't know what to make out of it, uh, but you played in the NFL, so certainly you can figure that out for me, Kerry. I, I don't know. I mean, it's clear to me that they have no intentions on – that they don't want him to play the rest of this year. And you don't bench your starting quarterback if you believe he can help your team at any point. You know, whether it's now or in the future, I think it's going to be a, a, a tough road ahead for Mr. Wilson now. We got to see how the, the cap hit works, if they are willing to move, move on from him and, and – have to have that money on their cap in front in terms of the cap hit but that's it was intriguing when I saw that news come down that he would not be starting and he would no longer be starting for the rest of the season I I, I don't know but I, I was telling these guys we saw him and Sean Payton well actually we saw Sean Payton blowing up at him mm-hmm. a few days ago a few few games ago and so this move I guess isn't surprising but at the same time it's it's a little strange because he's been paid a lot of money to play football and not going to play he he is fairly limited <laughs> at this point. Guys, I saw this today. The Giants, according to John Heyman, MLB Network Insider, are big game hunting. They are in on Blake Snell, Cody Bellinger, and Matt Chapman. If they were to land, let's say, one, two, or even three of these guys, how does that change the outlook of not only the National League West, but the National League as a whole? Still hard to put anybody over what the Dodgers have done to this point, really, and bringing over Glass now, Yamamoto. They're, I mean, the lineup with three Hall of Famers right there in the middle of it is pretty impressive. My thing is with the Giants now, Kerry and, and Marshy, they don't land any of the big game that they're looking for. Mm, they yeah. damn near had Arson Judge, almost <laughs> had him. But – they didn't get him. They didn't get Correa. They they haven't got any of the arms that they're looking to land. Like they, I don't know what they're like. Who is giving their final pitch to these free agents? But boy, that has not gone incredibly well. But this is a team a couple of years ago that beat out the Dodgers in the division. All of the uh, analytics went right for them. If they land one or two of their guys, I, I would love to see the competition uh, over there in the West. But. I just don't believe that they'll do it. I think it was Ken Rosenthal that wrote a, an article a couple of weeks ago talking about they have a city problem in San Francisco, meaning mm-hmm. the city, the cost of living, uh, you know, the, the homeless population, all of the things that are going wrong with the city is what's keeping those free agents from, from signing there. I mean, if you have an option of L.A. or 
San Francisco and you're going to be paying the same amount. Right. Why would you choose San Francisco? No offense. Is everything thriving in L.A. right now, too? It's probably thriving. San Francisco costs a lot of money. Yeah, it does. And it's not a, yeah, it's just a city that I think is going in the wrong direction. Yeah, so I, I think that that's been more of the problem. So I wonder if they're going to have to eventually overpay what some other other organizations would pay for a guy in order to get him to sign. That's a good point, and it's one they've they've shown in the past the the ability to do that to pony up the cash. But man, it, just landing that guy has been uh, has been elusive. And right now, too, if you're if you're a player and you're picking between some of those teams, uh, like. Uh, the Dodgers give you a better chance to win and have historically have, have been there a little bit more, even though you've rattled off some more championships in the last couple of decades. They, they have a talented team. They've got some good pitching, uh, but, boy, uh, that is not a good spot they've been in. And what is the draw to go to San Francisco? Alcatraz. Mm. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think that that's what, what gets people going. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, if I'm a player, if I'm being – offered X amount of money to play in the NL West or I'm being offered X amount of money to play, you know, wherever else, do I want to be in the same division as the Dodgers who are a juggernaut Probably at this not. point? Probably I not. Not if you want to win a championship. Now, if you want to get paid a lot of money, yeah, you, you probably would. But if your mm-hmm. ultimate goal is to have an opportunity to win the division, put yourself in a position to win a championship, I don't, I don't know, BT, would, would that be – if you had an option to go – to the to the a, to NL West and and compete against those guys or go elsewhere with a chance to win a championship for the same amount of money where where are you going? Yeah, I'm gonna go somewhere where I feel like I have a good chance of winning. Now yeah. the pitch is, is gonna be important too if you're the Giants. Say hey, we plan on knocking off the Dodgers and you're gonna be a huge part yeah. of it. We're gonna bring in somebody else and they're gonna end up being part of it. It wouldn't surprise me if they land maybe one guy, Blake Snell. Uh, mm-hmm. It wouldn't surprise me if they get him. I believe Blake Snell is from Seattle. Seattle's not gonna pony up the money to bring him in. Uh, that's about as close as you're gonna get there, San Francisco. Uh, in terms terms of being out on the West Coast. So maybe they land him, but I don't think that's going to be the difference maker. That's BT. I'm Kerry. That's Marshy. Coming up next, the Cardinals have signed three pitchers, and maybe they're done in free agency, but potentially in the trade market, there are some names that have been mentioned. We'll ask uh, who you would rather have. We'll talk about it next on the opening, uh, the fast lane. <laughs> oh! <laughs> <I> almost had it. <laughs> We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to the Fast Lane. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brad Thompson and Andrew Marsh. And the Cardinals did a pretty good job with their offseason signings, bringing in three pitchers. But some people still feel and believe that maybe there needs to be one more addition, an ace, some would say, so to speak. So, BT, we got a few names here, and I want to know, which one would you rather have? Okay. So, we got Dylan Cease. I'll take him. (laughs) Framber Valdez. Oh, yeah. uh, Logan Gilbert. Give it to uh, me, Kerry. One, two, three. <laughs> um, all right, so th- th- those are three good names. So, so you you gave Dylan Cease, Fromber Valdez, and Logan Gilbert as the three names. Yes. I would be shocked if two of those three names end up getting dealt. Okay. Like that's that's the one. Like so, Dylan Cease. Everybody knows the White Sox are are in a 
very big transition right now. Dylan Cease is a hot commodity, second in the Cy Young two years ago. A little bit of a down season for him. He was down a tick in his velocity, but he has been durable. He's 27 years old, and again, two years of control for Dylan Cease. I could absolutely see the White Sox shipping him off in a huge deal to build for the future. Like, that one makes sense to me and if I'm any team I'm in on Dylan Cease I personally wouldn't be worried about the down year last year you know how hard it is Kerry sometimes to thrive in a bad situation it seems like the White Sox were a very bad situation top to bottom last year so that wouldn't concern me so he'll get dealt and if the Cardinals were in on him that would be great. Would mm-hmm. love them to be in on him. Now, as we've had conversations in the past with with, with the guys, that's going to cost a lot. That's going to cost you big bats. That's going to cost you some of your future. Are you robbing Peter to pay Paul? Don't know. Don't know the answer to that. But Framber Valdez, why the hell would the Astros <laughs> trade him? Like, no, why no, no. would that be a thing? <laughs> I was pretty surprised to hear some Framber Valdez uh, rumors going on because really you look at him and he's likely to be, give it another year, Justin Verlander's out of there. That's the ace for the yeah. Astros. The Astros aren't a team that is uh, in a rebuild. Are they? Or are they a team that's trying to I, pawn off some potential cash? Where are they at, Gary? I, I don't think so. I mean, they were, what, one game away from playing in the, in the World Series? I don't think yeah. you are uh, a team that is looking to rebuild at that point. And, and that name to me is also another one. I mean, you, he's a he's a world champion, two-time All-Star, has, has finished top 10 in the Cy Young voting twice in his career. I would be surprised if he's moved at all if you're the, the Houston Astros. I don't know why you would move him. Yeah, and I don't know why got... his name is being rumored as potentially on no. the move. What I do, what I do understand is, and most of the reading that I've seen hasn't been uh, as much of the Astros are shopping him. It's more so they are fielding calls on. Is that the uh, same? Robert Valdez. That's not well, the well, I think that uh, any team, when you have a pitcher with a couple of years left, like I would call. I'd be like, hey, how you how you feel about <laughs> Fromber? And then I would expect them to just be like, oh, yeah, we're not moving him. Yeah. Shut up. Maybe we can talk about somebody else okay. if you really want to. But I don't know. If if they are moving him, there's, there's a couple of things. If they are thinking about moving him, one, they believe that they might just get a lion's share that could change their franchise. They believe in Christian Javier and Hunter Brown and J.P. France, all the other guys in their rotation behind uh, Verlander, that they're strong enough to do that. Now, I don't, I don't believe that they're strong enough to do that, but maybe they do. The other one is financially when he's going into his third year. I think he's one of those lucky guys that gets a fourth year of arbitration. So he'll get uh, arbitration three, then arbitration four in 2025. So maybe they're looking at it and say, okay, well, he made $6 million or something this year. I don't know if we're at the point. I don't know where they are at luxury tax-wise, Kerry, but Mm -hmm. if you're looking to cut some cost, maybe that's some of it there. That doesn't seem like a move a World Series roster would be making. I don't think so. The third one is he's hurt and I don't want him because <laughs> like that's that's the only other right. one and really like a lingering injury or yep. something that is floating there is the only thing that would make sense that I would be fielding calls on that guy. Got you. And, and so out of those three, if you had to pick one, not regardless of if they if you think the team is going to trade him, one, two, three, which one would you rather have first? 
I think I'll take Logan Gilbert okay. first. I'm going to take the youngest guy in in the mix. He's got elite stuff. I think that he's still learning on the job. And a, another guy that you have great, you know, you have control of contractually. Um, he has great control himself. He's got swing and miss stuff and doesn't walk a lot of guys. I think that he could also keep your defense busy the way the way that he goes. He just he pitches quickly. I I like him. I mean, that would be my pick. Who who would you take if you I, had to pick out of those? I, three? I have been on the Dylan Cease bandwagon for a long time, and we talked about you know not a great year, but when you're playing for a not good team, you you tend to kind of fall in line with with what's mm-hmm. going on with everyone else. Uh, I thought that he would be the name that if they were to go in that direction, Dylan Cease would be the one for me. I, I never even considered Framber Valdez because uh, why would you? He is not going anywhere, <laughs> right? Yeah, there's there's no way. So let me ask you this: so in a deal for Dylan Cease right now, Terry, yes. if knowing that you have to give up things <laughs> to get things. Who on this major league roster? I, I want to get into like prospects. Who are you not it. giving up? Who am I not giving? Okay, that's yeah, who, easy. that's or, better. Or, or or who do you believe that it might take to get this deal done that you don't want to give up? I think it takes Nolan Gorman, and I don't think I, I think that's the starting point um, for any conversations for a Dylan Cease. And I I do not want to give that up for for Dylan Cease. But I understand because you know one thing I. I People always assume, well, we can give up a bag of baseballs and, and the third starter down in, in Memphis, and they'll take Give him. up Paul <laughs> DeYoung. <laughs> Why wouldn't they? need him a short – no, they don't want him. They, they want people that are going to help them win, not people that you don't want either. So it's always going to be a situation where it's something that's going to hurt to give up uh, to get something that you really want in return. And I think on the Major League roster, it would it would be a Nolan Gorman. I don't think the Cardinals, this is my opinion, I don't think they would be willing to, to part with Mason Wynn or Jordan Walker or Paul Goldschmidt no. or, or Nolan Arenado. But because you have some depth at that position, because he's also a DH, and you could probably see Wilson Contreras playing more DH if Herrera is behind the play. It, it's, it would make the most sense for the Cardinals and for the, for the White Sox to want Nolan Gorman. So let me let me ask this. Do you believe and let's say we know that there would be other pieces involved in yep. a deal like this, but let's just call it a one for one right now. If Dylan Cease was on the Cardinals and he was starting opening day or maybe the second game for mm-hmm. you behind Sonny Gray. I don't care where he is. Uh, but I expect him to make thirty two starts right. like he has the last three years. If he is on the Cardinals and Nolan Gorman is on the White Sox are the Cardinals better than they were? Yes, I mean I, better. I, better with Cease and not go. And I no think Gorman. so. I think because I think you know the lineup that they have. I love the the pieces that they have for the lineup. I love the the hitters, and the only thing I would love more is them playing in the same spot every day. But other than that, I think they have a lot to to work with there. the The struggles that they had last year was pitching, and and. You know, we saw how bad it could get how quickly because of the pitching and lack thereof. And so I think that they definitely win. They definitely don't lose 91 games if Dylan Cease is in this, is in this rotation uh, next year. Is more, more so than if, Dylan, if Nolan Gorman is. See, I'm I'm really torn on this one because uh, the way that I look at it is the, the impact of the everyday player. Yeah. 
Yeah. That that Gore. So I mean, this is a guy that last year he ended up in only 119 games, which honestly is something that you should be a little bit fearful about yeah. when, when you're thinking about it. That's a, the a other concern. Old, the, the, the back dealing with injury. The back, yeah. Right? Yeah. Get it. I get it. <laughs> but in those 119 games, he hit 27 bombs. He hit 17 doubles, and he's got monster pop from the left side. Something that you definitely yeah. need in this lineup. I, I would be it, it would be so difficult for me to pull the trigger. What what is your comparison? What's your ceiling for Nolan Gorman? Is he is he Kyle Schwarber better average or or I, I think similar? that Schwarber is I think Schwarber is such a fantastic comp. That's for how him. I see him. Uh, but I think yeah, but I, I think that Gorman has a little bit more bat to ball skills. Yeah. So you might there might be some more raw power there with Kyle Schwarber. Mm-hmm. I think that Kyle will end up hitting more home runs. But it wouldn't shock me at all if Gorman had a 40-plus home Correct. run year next year. He hit yeah. 27 this year in 119 games. Tell me he's not going to go on a heater and hit some more than that? The concern, I, I love that comp. Th- th- that's, been my, that's who I see him as, but the concern, as you said, Anytime you've played a long time, you you played a long time, you've been around guys, anytime you deal with back injuries, I had a doctor tell me I had a back, my back was killing me. And he was like, hey, you, you might need surgery, but I advise against it because with back surgery and back injuries, it's 50-50, man. <laughs> I, can't, so, I can't tell you which way it's going to go. And that's I don't know scary. if we talked about this. Uh, I had uh, I had the back surgery before I even played a minor <sighs> league game with the Cardinals. Oh. So I uh, I signed I signed with the Cardinals uh, out of junior college, and I was working out in the off season, getting ready for spring training. And I was doing like a leg press, and I had <laughs> way too much weight on it, went way too deep, yeah. and just felt. Felt a pop in the yeah. back. I tried to rehab it. Ended up having to have surgery on two levels, uh, and it wasn't. It was just a microdiscectomy. It wasn't a bad surgery. Didn't have to get anything fused or anything. But walking into spring training, I was like, nobody <laughs> wanted to touch me. They didn't want to let me do anything. Like I'm like, I'm here. I'm ready. They're like, no, we're gonna have to get a little bit more clearance. Like had I not pitched really well quickly, I'd have been in some. Big time trouble, and it, it was something that every year of my career, like there was always something. Yeah, like there, it would pop up, and then I would just act like I wasn't hurt. Uh, but it's almost debilitating <laughs> when you get there. So, moving forward with Gorman, though, that is going to be something they're going to have to. First of all, like he and his, you, you know, he's got a team of people back home in Arizona. You know, he's got trainers. You know, they're working on things. The Cardinals give him stuff. Hey, these this is where we believe that you're weak from any of your strength stuff. These are areas where you need to be more flexible. Right. That's on him to get all those things uh, dialed in. But during the season, they're going to have to be super diligent about how they deploy him. He's yeah. not going to be a guy that plays 155 games for you. Like yeah. that's that's just not going to be it. You got to figure out ways, as you mentioned, to use that DH spot. And even though he's going to be playing at 24 next year, you're going to have to get him off his feet. You're going to have to figure out he's a big kid. He's yeah. got to figure out ways to get him off his feet, and when he's out there, he'll be impactful. That's the that's the concern for me. That's one of the scariest things. You talk about being injured and not showing that you're injured. That's one of the worst pains you can deal with. And, and <laughs> walking through and not wanting anyone to know, oh, this is this is great, but I'm going to go. That's awful. All right, guys, let's go. <laughs> That's Brad Thompson. I'm Kerry Davis. Andrew Marsh is here. Coming up next, we have the biggest question of the day. That's next on The Fast Lane. We're right back to The Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for The Fast Lane's biggest question of the day. 
Fast Lane. I'm joined by Brad Thompson, Andrew Marsh. I'm Kerry Davis, and it is time for the biggest question of the day. Marshy, what you got for us, brother? All right, guys. So the Blues are on a bit of a roll right now. And, and one one of the uh, the big things we've been looking at this past week is the benching of Pavel Buchnevich and his response to that benching, the accountability that Drew Bannister has shown so far. I I like it. I like it a lot. And the way that Buchnevich responded, I thought was very positive for this team moving forward. The question I have is what is the difference between what Buchnevich did and his response and what we saw early on in April with Tyler O'Neill and Mm -hmm. Ali Marmel and how that season sort of I don't want to say crumbled, but it kind of did. And I don't want to say it's because of that moment. But what do you think the differences are between the two situations? For well, me, I would say that oh, the ahead, season, uh, Kerry. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, was, uh, the, the season definitely did not crumble because of Tyler O'Neill. <laughs> right. Uh, <that laughs> is, try telling the text line that. <laughs> that is for sure. And the handling of that situation, the response of the two players were, were definitely different. I appreciated Booch's response of he's right, and then he goes out and has a couple of points the next game. Like, there are times, the, the Tyler O'Neill situation, I, uh, like, I'm not in his body, so I don't know what he was feeling. I know what my eyes saw. My eyes saw a guy that wasn't running 100%. Yeah. Like, that's what my eyes saw, but that, it, it is what it is. That, that's water under the bridge. The handling of it, and it was very evident. Like, I don't think that you have to be, like, a, a mind reader or, like, no, like, like psychology, like, to know that if, if Ollie Marmel said those things publicly, Kerry, how many times do you think those conversations oh. have been had privately? Too many. Too many times. Yeah. Too many times. We've had that conversation over and over again. And there's also a good chance that you had veteran members of Mm -hmm. the ball club that were uh, upset with it as well. And I bet some of those comments were actually ran through them as well. I agree. I think the biggest difference, Marshy, is professionalism and maturity. Mm -hmm. I think Bujnevich went through what he went through, and he came out and said, you know what, I can't take those dumb penalties. I took three of them. I put our team in a position to not have success. And Tyler O'Neill, unfortunately, didn't receive it in the same way. He, he, I think it, he took it as more so, I'm the fall guy for, for something, but you, you, you made a mistake. Like, we have seen Tyler O'Neill run at full speed, and that, that ain't it, bro. So fast. <laughs> that ain't it. <laughs> yeah. like, so, you're not going to be able to tell me what my eyes have seen mm-hmm. and are seeing at this moment. You're not running as fast as you possibly can. So, the mature, professional way to handle that is to say I messed up I didn't run as hard as I could have whatever the reason be I didn't want to pop a hammy because these things are tight whatever the case may be come out and say you know what I'll be better I let my teammates down I didn't do my job well enough it's on me I'll be better next game and that's the end of it we never hear anything else about it Mm -hmm. but when you respond in a way that I think he responded or not taking responsibility or accountability then you have more questions than answers at that moment yeah, Kerry, I think the hard part, too, is uh, the the one in listening to the comments from Tyler O'Neill afterwards, one of them, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't have it in front of me, but one of them was talking about, you know, I'm trying to stay out here for 162 yeah. games. Yeah. Like, the self-preservation, mm-hmm. which, dude, I get it, okay? Yeah. I wholeheartedly understand you have one body, you have one opportunity in this game to make money mm-hmm. and to set up your family for the future, and you want to do those things. 
But I think that those things, and again, everybody's different. Those things happen when you're not thinking about them. Right. If you're thinking about just going out there and playing hard, because Tyler O'Neill, and it will not surprise me at all if he goes to Boston and tears it up because he's got that skill set. Yes. He's got speed. He's got power. He's got athleticism. What he doesn't have is the ability to stay on the field, or at least he has not proven the the ability to stay on the field. I feel like when you get worried about some of the wrong things, then you're not being able to put out your best product. And for him, it's obviously takes care of his body. I don't think that there's a, a huge issue there. Now, he might be a little too too tightly strung. <laughs> wow, too tight. In, yeah, a little bit, little bit uh, something else. But it was very evident a couple of years ago after his, uh, his great season in mm -hmm. 2021, he was disappointed that they weren't able to lock up a long-term deal. That got in his head. Then they had uh, the lockout by the owners. Then he went to arbitration and lost. Like, there were just a couple of hits in a row for Tyler, and I think that those got things spinning on him mentally, and I feel like they weighed on him. And that's one of the hardest parts, Kerry, as you very well know, of being a professional yeah. is you are going to take some hits. Yes. And you're going to take some losses along the way. Yeah. If you let those continue to pile up, they will topple you at some point. Yeah, I think, you know, you spoke about it. The the, the talent obviously is is there. You saw it. He top 10 in MVP voting, two-time Gold Glove winner. He has the ability to do anything and everything on a baseball field. But I, I, and I wanted to ask you this because that, I, you mentioned it, the arbitration hearing, how does that impact a player when you have to hear? It's essentially they're telling you why we're not going to pay you money. Like you're you're not this, you're not that, you're not good enough for this. We don't like you here. We love you, but we don't think you do this well. Like you're hearing all of the negative things about yourself. Now go play baseball and be the best you can be. Wait, what? You don't even like me as much as I think you do. <laughs> Why the hell do I have to give that much effort? So I wonder if all of those things encompassing and knowing that you have a history of being injured you know, just kind of got to him and, and it impacted him in a way that he probably didn't want it to, but it definitely did. Yeah, that arbitration process is uh, is a really tough one. Then you get the, the pat on the ass on the way out. Now go get him. We we are we counting on you. you. Yeah, we need you. Do you? Even though I had a comp of uh, a bunch of players that are, are terrible and I said we're better than you, yes. don't even worry about any of that stuff. No, the, the business side of it, it, that does suck, and that part of it, part of it sucks. Remember, it was uh, Corbin Burns who came out of his arbitration case with the Brewers, and like he hated everybody yeah. after that. So you're going to sit there and tell me how bad I am and then expect me to go out there and try to deal for you, one of the best pitchers in baseball? Like, There's got to be a little bit of tact. It's got to be a better way like of that. handling that, doesn't for it? For sure. For sure. <laughs> or just don't show up. But yeah. you know your agent is going to tell you everything that was said there. Because a third party. Like, he, he is, yes, yes. <laughs> but um, but it, it is – the system is set up the way that it is, and the hope is that you end up building a culture. And I know that this is something that Ollie Marmel and his staff have have been doing and continue to try to do where it is the, the we are greater than I. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like we need – if you go out and worry about winning baseball – 
If you just go out there and worry about what do I need to do to win this game today, your individual stats are going to be there. It's like gonna, you are going to be able to put up those numbers. It's going to work itself out. And I, I tell people this all the time, and you've been on championship teams. You understand it. When you really love and care about the man that's next to you and, and you're willing to – you might be a little bit sore. You might not be your best at this moment, but you're not going to let him down. And I think that's the the thing about professional sports that, that I didn't give a damn what my coaches thought. Like, I, I truly didn't. I cared about what the man next to me thought about mm-hmm. me because if he thought that I would run through a brick wall for him, then he would do the same for me. If he thought highly of me as a teammate, as a player, as a man, that's all that mattered. My teammates and my peers, the people I play against. Those people matter because coaches, you're never going to be good enough or do enough. They're always trying to find someone to replace you. But your peers, the people next to you, truly know what you're going through and how hard it is to be successful at that level. Well, I think that that probably resonates with a lot of people. Like, they, they care that their coworkers yep. know that they're putting in everything that they can. Yeah, your boss is always going to come up, carry with some TPS report, asking if you've seen that thing. Uh, but <laughs> there's, there's a good chance you've seen it. You've got a copy of the memo. Uh, but that is it is important. You want to be out there, and you want to be able to, to be a great teammate, be accountable, and at the, at the end of the day, win together. I don't think that there's any better feeling – at least professionally, than, than than winning and coming together as a team. And that's something that I hope both the Blues under Drew Bannister now, who have been very good, and again, they are on tonight. You'll hear it right here on 101 ESPN. I hope they're able to build that. I hope that Ollie is able to continue to build that with his group. But you need guys that are all in. You need guys that are in the bullpen saying, give me the ball. You need guys that are, you don't have to go uh, hold their hand first. You can put them in the lineup. Like, that's, that's what you need. And unfortunately, we're going in a direction now just overall where there's a lot more hand-holding yeah. than probably needs to be. I, I hate to be that old guy. but I, Oh, I'm, I'm there too. <laughs> Back in my day. I hate it, but, it, but it's so true. Ah, just do your job, man. Just do it. Well, well why do you want me to do it like that? <laughs> Jesus. Just do See, you see that baseball? You take it, you throw it to that guy 60 feet, 6 inches away, and then when I call on you again, do it again. And you're going to be rich, filthy freaking rich <laughs> if you just you. do that. Yeah, not that hard. It's pretty simple. <laughs> that was your biggest question of the day. Coming up next, we have our What You Missed and Compliments, Criticisms, and your text of the day. That'll be next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to the Fast Lane. It's Kerry Davis, joined by BT and Marshy. And what you missed today... uh, Joe Hofer will be getting the start tonight versus the Dallas Stars. We talked about which quarterback you may be overlooking this season. Marshy had a pretty interesting take on that one. He, eh, man, we, Baker Mayfield is one of the quarterbacks that he was referring to. Uh, Prove me wrong where I finally figured out how the game is actually played. It was a tough one, BT. I, I, I lost one. I was not, I didn't, it was tough. It's very difficult. You, did you go the wrong direction? Did you? Uh... I, I really agreed with them. It was tough. Oh no, you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> it was. It was not easy. Look, uh, you take a stance and you run with it. Yeah, Sometimes you just got to be on the island. I was not. It was Lamar Jackson and best scrambling quarterback since Michael Vick, and I didn't have anyone better, and so <laughs> I kind of agreed. It's a tough well, one. 
that was tough. But obviously, Johnny Manziel was a guy oh, that, that could okay. take the ball. He could run and gun. And uh, this is how you lie. You just come up with something. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Jamie got a victory again in the gauntlet versus another, versus the 11-year-old that he beat yesterday. He was more of a fair and square fight this time. Yeah, it was he an 11. He beat an 11-year-old? Yeah, two days in a row. <laughs> He's probably proud of it, but maybe not. Come on. We're fighting children now? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and then we talked about would you rather have Dylan Cease, Framber Valdez, or Logan Gilbert and uh, we yes. all agree. Yes, 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 and yes. <laughs> so, Marshy, what you got for criticism, compliments, and our text of the day? Yeah, so we'll start off with the uh, the 636. This is directed, uh, I'm sorry, from the 618. Let's start with that one. This one's directed towards you, Carrie. We just received the greatest gift, you on the fast line. Oh, man, thank you. I appreciate that. I am going to enjoy well first of all i have to be honest i'm going to enjoy not waking up at 5 a.m this is the <laughs> best part of the the, the joining the fast lane is uh not waking up that early i, I will enjoy that but no it's going to be great when anthony gets back marcia you're awesome bt you're joining us every now and then filling in and jamie that's my guy we might have uh i'm going to drop the gloves with jamie at some point just to Ooh. just to get a little tussle in just because every now and then you need that mm. in your system it just feels good and then we can have a beer afterwards. Just good, clean fun. Good, is clean all fun. That yeah, is that's right my guy. No, it's, it, <laughs> Hello, you are going to be a perfect addition. As you very well know, Kerry, years ago, we fought hard yeah. to have you be the third guy in the fast lane. It ended up being a few years later. Yes. But, uh, you know, good things come to those who wait. So <laughs> appreciate it's going to be fun listening to you guys. Definitely. We got a uh, message from the Snake Pit from Droid. What a combo of former players on today's show. CD, BT, and Jamie Rivers. It does say JR, but we don't want to get confused with Jeremy Rutherford, who was also on yes. today's show. That is a championship. That is championship material. Well, the former players is the key uh, word of that, that the, the key part of that, that comment. Former. Because I have no desire to run into any linebackers. I'm sure, BT, you have no desire to face any, any batters in the batter's box. I, I don't think that that's something that we want to do anymore. How's Gary, the shoulder feeling? Um, Kerry, we're on Zoom right now. You can, you can see me. We're on YouTube. Uh, during the last commercial break, I, I walked to walk. the restroom. You can probably see me limp. Just had knee surgery last week. I don't need to be doing any competing at this point. Uh, I miss the camaraderie of it. Yes. Like, luckily, we get a lot of that in this job. Yeah. We certainly get a, a lot of it uh, getting a chance to, to call the, the, the Cardinal games. Like I, I love that part of it. I love being around the ballpark. I love just being around the guys. That, that is uh, a lot of fun. But the, the whole, like, physically competing right now don't need that nah, but no, i miss no i miss it i miss the competition i don't have anything in my life that is is like when the bullpen phone would ring yeah. i don't have anything that spikes the adrenaline yeah. like that uh but i just know i can't do it anymore and there's something freeing about that <laughs> it does feel good <laughs> we got a text from thanks dad which is always fun to read BT, you were talking earlier about just promoting the show in general, and we appreciate our listeners doing that as well because thanks, Dad, uh, texted in, I write the text line number in bathroom stalls. Well done. Yes, that is, uh, you know what? I thought that was like a forgotten art. <laughs> but I have been into a few places for a good time text. And then there it was. 314-399-9646. Please do. So I appreciate. Thanks, Dad. <laughs>
All right, we got a text from Jamie's Vacation Speedo. First of all, it's more of a two-part right here. What does Carrie think of Speedos? Does he know that his co-host loves them? Also, love Carrie joining the show. Well, I, I I follow Jamie and I are Facebook friends. I've, I'm pretty sure I've seen said Speedo on, on a few pictures. And, eh, you know, to each his own. I'm not a Speedo guy. That's just not my thing. But I also do not judge those that prefer to wear Speedos. Yeah, it's a, it's a comfort thing. Yeah, for yeah. And apparently that's, that's it. <laughs> We got a text from the 618. Great show today. CD's football insights are wonderful. Welcome, Kerry Davis. Appreciate that. Thank you. It's going to be fun. So when it, when is the official first day? Uh, Whatever January. Whatever day anybody gets back yeah. and you actually have a real show. <laughs> when we're Love all it. here at once. It'd be, uh, that'd be the day. All right, last one here. The Air Comfort Service text of the day. All right, this one this one is great because this one is a last-minute addition for text of the day. From the 618, Jamie is like Kramer on that Seinfeld, Seinfeld episode when he joins a karate class and beats up on a bunch of little kids. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can see that. Uh, I can see Jamie do it. I, I got to tell you something, Carrie. I don't know if you are. I'm not a Seinfeld guy. I've seen a few. I've watched some episodes. Kramer is... is it's odd. He's funny. Yeah, he's he's he's, he's, he's a funny character. Definitely different. So, but the the concept of uh, him beating up children and Jamie doing the same thing that hits, you know, oh, uh, yeah. literally. Jamie enjoyed it. I, I think we all it, it, there's something a life lesson to be learned mm-hmm. from from children when you are able to beat them down. It's awesome. They have to learn. It's part of yes, life. Uh, I don't let my kids beat me at anything. Never. There's times my wife's like, "Hey, are, just let him win." I go, "No, he's not going to learn it." My dad kicked my ass at everything until like I was in high school. Indeed, <laughs> tired of it. Indeed, that's BT. I'm Kerry. Coming up, we have the Blues will be taking on the Stars tonight. Puck drops at 7 p.m. You can catch the pregame here at 6 p.m. Joey Vitale, Chris Kerber. That's coming up next. Till tomorrow, we will see you, St. Louis. Have a great night. You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.